right. Well, Stephen, we said the wrestling world was going to change, and we are now on Live Rounds Episode 14, and CM Punk is all elite, and honestly, it couldn't have gone better. I mean, like, what I was expecting, it was it was one of those things that, like, I I didn't know how you could do it. Like there could have been so many ways. Like he could have ran in. He could have he could have just like showed up at the very end just to like walk out, the crowd pops, and that's it. But like the way that they chose to do it, I just thought was perfect. And just for my the the way that I felt was is if I saw CM Punk come out and he looked like he cared. He looked like he actually loved the business. If I saw that punk, then that was what was really going to get me excited. If I saw a CM Punk that just kind of like, listen, the offer was just too good to pass up. I'm here, but like, I don't really like this anymore. Then that would have been tough. But like the moment he comes out, his eyes are all big and he looked completely overwhelmed. He goes to his knees and like he just had to take it in for a bit. You know what I mean? And if you watch like the new footage um, from AEW, you can see a tear in his eye. I mean, my God, that's all I ever wanted for CM Punk. I just wanted him to fall in love with pro wrestling again. And I wanted him to be in a place where he can do what he loves to do. And I really felt like we got that. Um, I'll go more into it, but I'd like to hear your initial uh, thoughts from the show as well. Yeah, did you see that video on YouTube today with the producers? Yes. Insane. Oh my god. Go ten, go ten, go six, go six. You know, like and, I love watching the mark out too. Like they hear the pop and they're just like, oh yeah. At one point they're good shit, good shit. <laughs> I, I think he said good shit when they got the the fan in the crowd crying. I think yes, that's he, he said it. And that so and, and and I want to talk about that for sure um, because I think the backlash that kid's getting is insanity. But, um, but yeah, just your initial thoughts. Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely the right move to have him come out first, like before anything else, because it gave them plenty of time to just take all the time he needed versus having to rush something at the end of the show. Like if time was running out and he had to like cut it short or something, like the fans wanted it. They just literally just gave the fans exactly what they wanted. Like the the crowd was there for CM Punk. Yes. They're all chanting for CM Punk. His music hits, the graphics go up, and it's like, yep. and then the only question left is like, is he gonna actually walk out onto the onto the ramp? Like, is he, he actually there? I saw so many people's reaction, like, please God, don't let it be MJF. Like, I never once <laughs> thought that they were gonna do that. You're not gonna waste that type of pop on an MJF, in my opinion. So, like, when I heard his music, I knew it was happening. I mean, I knew it was happening before. When they said it was next, like, they were like, and the live announcement is next. I mean, like, me and Bill looked at each other and we're like, oh, God. We got up off the couch and we're literally just, like, standing behind the couch marking out. Like, he comes out and we're like, yeah! You know, like, it was it was awesome. Like, I... I and... Like, I don't, as much as we hype this up, I still don't think we gave Punk enough credit. Like, I think Punk, and I heard this from my buddy Eric, he is the Hulk Hogan of independent wrestling. I do feel like that this is a Hulk Hogan, a Hulk Hogan-esque type move when Hogan went to WCW. Like, this is the next step that takes you to 
where you want to go. And what I think is crazy, almost every comment I saw, a lot of people aren't aware Daniel Bryan is going. A lot of people aren't aware that possibly Adam Cole will be there in a couple of weeks. A lot of people aren't aware that Bray Wyatt is going to be there. People are just going crazy just for the return of CM Punk. So, like, imagine if people are watching and it just continually another one, another one, another one. Like, that is wild. Yeah, I mean, that's I, – I saw – I had, like, a Twitter back and forth with some guy, uh, like, today, I think it was. And he was basically like, man, everyone's out there just acting like this was, like, Austin or The Rock showing up in, in AEW. And I was like, well, you know, the only person that could really have been like Austin or The Rock, like to really that level is John Cena. That's really the only one who could be like that type of level because no one's been really elevated outside of him to that type of level since The Rock and Austin. But what CM Punk represents is massive because yes. him coming over, he might not be The Rock on his own, but him, Daniel Bryan, Adam Cole, Bray Wyatt. Maybe we get Charlotte Flair later down the road. Yep. We're going to get Ric Flair. Like right. the, all that collectively, that brings the buzz of like Austin and the rock potentially like, yeah. especially, and then you can, you consider all the people that are already there in the foundation they're laying. And the fact that CM Punk's coming in and right away, it's him versus Darby Allen main event of all out. It's like yeah. Darby Allen is getting elevated throughout all of this. It's only, I mean, MJF's been getting elevated. Hangman Page has been getting elevated. All these guys, Jungle Boy, all these guys are getting elevated. And they're still going to keep peppering in these massive stars to keep drawing more and more attention, more more viewership. And there are people who can all go in the ring. Like CM Punk, we haven't seen him in a minute, but it doesn't really matter. Like CM Punk's going to be super over regardless. Yeah. But Daniel Bryan coming over, like he's going to have great matches. Adam Cole coming over, great matches. Bray Wyatt, don't know about the matches, but the story should be really, really damn good. So there's there's just so much, I think, that, like, this is really kind of the, the – it's it's the biggest thing that's happened for AEW so far, in my for opinion. Sure. For sure. Um, and you can compare it in some some ways to, like, John Moxley showing, showing up. This is obviously bigger than that. But really, when you, when you look at the grand scheme of things, like, this moment is going to be pivotal, I think, in the history of, like, this whole – war or whatever between the two companies because Without this is like the the first like massive shot and we're gonna have another massive shot within like the next couple months with brian danielson i mean it's yep. and i don't think they're gonna it's gonna just keep going up from there in my opinion this is awesome yeah i mean this is the closest thing we're ever gonna get to the the 90s wrestling wars like yeah. this is that we never thought we would get here again and we're here again like at the end of the day AEW has arrived they might not be like straight up competition, like right out the gates, but neither was WCW. Like it took time to build this thing. And yes, we have all the talent in the world, right? That's coming in, but we don't know what kind of storylines can happen through this because storylines can completely draw ratings, right? And so like, who knows what's going to happen? Well, and also like you got to take into consideration with WCW, they were the National Wrestling Alliance, Crockett Promotions, whatever, and then like became WCW. And then even then it was like the early 90s through the it's basically till 1996. Like, you know, I got into it 94 ish when I was six years old and I like the Dungeon of Doom. But most people would say that was a really bad time for WCW. Like all these years kind of sucked up until 
Um, I mean, NWA is, di- NWA is different, but re- you know what I mean. Kind of the because yeah. when you looked at WWF and WCW, you know, the early '90s didn't look great. But the point is, like, AEW's done this in less than three years. Yep. Like total. <laughs> like you know and what I mean? Honestly, honestly, based on from what I heard about from Punk, I think this would have happened way sooner if it wasn't for the pandemic. So I, I think that that's a big part of it too because. That ice cream bar uh, deal, he contacted them two years ago. So if you keep that in mind, he planned on something like that two years ago. He'd been talking to Tony for 18 months. So, I mean, right around there, that sounds like something was definitely planned. I mean, could you imagine if they would have had that revolution pay-per-view and just a couple of months later CM Punk showed up, if that's what they would have done? Like, that would have been huge. But still... I think kind of what the 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 Daily's Place year long uh, thing did was it kind of allowed them to really like establish their company, bring in wrestlers they wanted to bring in, build their roster kind of quietly, right? And then like when crowds were back, they unleashed a monster, and now they are just adding huge names to it on top of that. Yeah, and also I think that AEW. I, I don't want us to come off the wrong way, but I think anyone reasonable would understand what I'm saying here. The pandemic, I think, ultimately wound up helping AEW in the long run because the WWE cooled off so much during the pandemic. Yeah, it's very like, true. Like the no New fans. Japan. New Japan, yeah. too. Jeez. New Japan as well. Ring of all, really all of them. Yeah. I mean, it's impact really everyone except for AEW. Like AEW yep. kept gaining momentum. All these other companies were really hurting. Yeah. And once again, I don't want to like say oh, the pandemic was a bad thing, obviously. That's what right, I'm right. saying. But it's one of those things where it's like, at first I was really scared when everything happened for AEW because it was like, like you said, revolution happens. They got all this momentum. I go to the, we both wind up going to Dynamite within a week of each other. Like, yep. it's like the ball's rolling. And then it's like, is this company even going to survive the next half a year? Because who knows what the world's going to look like. Right. And in hindsight now, it's like, well, the WWE's product was so bad for the last year that fans were fiending to find an alternative. And AEW was cranking the volume up as WWE was turning the volume down. The needle for the WWE was going the wrong direction. The needle for AEW was going the right direction. And now they just got the influx of CM Punk, who, by the way, is a needle mover. Oh. Not, to, you know, not to the degree of The Rock or Austin, but those are the only... The Rock, Austin, and Hogan are the only people in that conversation. And maybe John Cena. Like, that's... I mean... How ridiculous did Roman Reigns look in that interview? He only like, looks. He only looked. What he said wasn't wasn't unfactual, but it's coming from him. It's weird because he's the face of the company. As the needle goes the wrong way for the WWE, right? You know. Well, and then not only that, like he had to throw a jab at John Moxley too. Like it just it did. Like he's like, if he could have took over this company, he would have. But he left because he wasn't good enough. Like, bro, it, did it, you say it, that? Yes, that's exactly what he said. And so it's like, you know, you say Punk's not a needle mover. You say that John Moxley couldn't hang, so he had to leave. And yet, like, all of a sudden Punk comes out and he gets the loudest pop probably in wrestling history. I mean, it, it's especially for, like, as long as it was, right? Like, the only thing to me that can be somewhat close was when Triple H came back to Madison Square Garden and in 02. Like, that, that was the most loudest pop I had ever heard. But – like it was different, right? And, and this is the thing that I think we really need to get into too, is like what 
what that moment meant because it's like people are so connected to punk and his story, whether you like him or not, like, you know, about him. And like, we saw a broken man, right? Like we saw a broken man who, like he said, he was sick. He had such a hard time with the WWE towards the end. He really didn't have like a a path that was recognizable to us as wrestling fans, even going to the UFC. I don't feel like that I saw CM Punk in the UFC. I feel like I saw Phil Brooks in the UFC. I haven't seen CM Punk in a long time. Like even when CM Punk would do interviews, it's a guy that hates wrestling, is like bitter and like doesn't want to talk about it, wants to talk about like comic books and stuff. Like well, and in the UFC, his promos were like him being humble because like he was a newbie to the sport. Like it wasn't CM Punk cutting promos on people, right. you know what I mean? Like you can't be called the best in the world. You can't like it's just like him like being happy that he gets to hold pads for Ben Askren. You know, like it's just it was just weird, right? So when that man walked out of that tunnel. It was like the first time we had seen CM Punk in seven years. And I think that's what caused the emotional reaction. I think that that's like people needed to see him. They needed to see that he cared. They needed to see that he was excited. He was fired up. You know what I mean? Because like when he got off his knees, he didn't say it was clobbering time, by the way. He just said like, let's effing go. And like you could just see like true happiness, right? And the guy that got caught crying – Like, first of all, keep in mind, too, the only wrestling show, big wrestling show that's been in Chicago since, like, things have kind of opened up has been a Monday Night Raw, right? So this might be the first time he's even been at a wrestling show since the pandemic. Just keep that in mind. Then you have the return of probably, I'm sure, was one of his heroes in Chicago, like it's it's overwhelming. It's a moment that you thought you were never going to get, which causes an emotional reaction. I go, when I go to wrestling shows almost every time when I'm there live, especially if I made a trip and like I see the opening video package, I usually get emotional. I usually get teary eyed because I'm so glad that I actually made it. I made the decision to put forth the money to make the flight to go to the hotels like to do this. And so, like, when you get something like that, when you get to witness history like that, it absolutely is emotional. I don't blame him for crying one bit. And if the Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl, I'm going to cry my eyes out because I've been waiting for so long for that to happen. And I know you have, Stephen. I know you have for the Vikings. Um, But I'm just saying, like, in sports, in general, like – we have an emotional connection towards wrestlers, fighters, football teams, whatever. Like Punk said, he cried when the, the Cubs won the World Series. He cried when the Blackhawks won. Like, the, the idea that a man can't cry is totally ridiculous. And not only that, I don't know about you, but for my athletes, I love it when they cry. When Dak Prescott broke his ankle and tried to keep it together, it was like, Dak was being tough, but when he got put on that actual cart and was being wheeled off and the emotion finally came out and he cried and he lifted up his fist, Dak Prescott became the franchise quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys at that moment. Like He showed that this means so much to him and the crowd was connected to him and a lot of them were able to let go of that Tony Romo BS finally and embrace Dak. 
Emotion's a huge part in life. And to hold back emotion is silly. And especially like in a crowd and a pop like that. So I give all the respect to that kid. I probably would have been right there with him. I got almost teary-eyed when I watched it on TV. So I can't imagine what it was like being there live. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. You know, and it's one of those things too where even if I mean though everything together made it so overwhelming, but even if like he wasn't a CM Punk fan, even if like even if he just a wrestling fan like yep. us, right? Like just somebody who lived through what we lived through as a wrestling right. fan over the last twenty years. Like right. if you were like how I was. And your favorite company, WCW, goes out of business. And then your second favorite company, ECW, goes out of business. And you're left with the WWE, which was cool for a minute. But then quickly, you know, pretty much since the, you know, you can go all the way back to probably 2007 or eight or something to where I was like really starting to be like, yo, this is really starting to get real bad. Um, And then they kind of pulled me back with NXT a little bit. But it was kind of more of a honey dick move than anything looking, looking back at it now. But the point is, you know, we just we didn't have this alternative. We were just stuck with what we were stuck with for so long. And for Punk to make this move is just so, you know, it's it was similar when when I was live at WrestleMania 33 and the Hardy Boys came back. Like I was like that dude. But I was doing the finger the finger gun thing with everybody else. You know what I mean? Because it was like it was emotional. When Daniel, when I was there, when Daniel Bryan won the world title WrestleMania 30. I, I was tearing up and, and doing the the yes because it's like you you're in a you know you're in the middle of a moment like you know yes. this is something big and it's something you were anticipating it's something you're waiting for and you're actually getting it and uh, with CM Dustin Punk, Dustin and Cody at double yeah, nothing I mean was I was, I was almost in tears like I was very I like when I say almost in tears I have water under my eyes that just the drops haven't flown yet you know what I mean like that's yeah. where I was at. For sure. And, and and the thing with CM Punk is just like extra overwhelming because like if you were a fan and you like you like stuck it out for the last seven years and you're like, I'm not going to give up on this guy. Like, you know, I gave up on him because I didn't yep. like his UFC run. Yep. But, you know, I was able to come back around because as a wrestling fan, I wanted to see what we what we exactly what we got on uh, on Rampage. Like, right. So. You know, it, it just intensifies all of it. So I, I don't fault this fan at all. And like you said, in this particular situation, this guy is in. He might if if he lives in Chicago, it's like you're in Chicago. CM Punk, seven years. What's he gonna say? Haven't heard the music in forever. Place is going berserk nuts. It's probably shaking in that building. And yeah. on top of it, like you said, may not have been around even other people for the last year and a half. And now you're surrounded by all these wrestling fans getting exactly what you wanted. Like, I don't fault that dude at all for tearing up. And, and I mean, screw anybody who has a problem with that. Like, if you had a problem with that, I suggest you you find some, like, stuff you're actually passionate about. Because for sure. that's how I get, like you mentioned with football. That's how I, dude, when the Minnesota Miracle happened, oh, my God. Like, or the, whatever, the Min- uh, Minneapolis Miracle, whatever they call it. I know when, what it is. Yeah, you know, when when that happened, I was literally running around my apartment screaming, For teared sure. up and had to keep rewatching it. I couldn't believe it happened. And Same how many times have like people been singing cult of personality in their kitchen this weekend? You know what I mean? Like, it's like stuck in my head since it happened. And I've and how, many, how many times have you watched it? Yeah. yeah like how I've many re- times? 
like at least 12, 10. Yeah, 10, least, yeah, 15. yeah. Like, I mean, I've I've watched the the entrance at least double digits times. I watched the promo probably five six times. Exactly. Like, I mean, it's that's a real moment. That's something that it, it's it's like even like when AJ came back came, debuted at the Royal Rumble for the WWE. Yeah. And like you heard, like I, it's like the kind of thing where you see it, and I know like a year from now when I rewatch it again. I'm going to be tearing up just like I was the other night. So if this dude happens to see, I saw like Tommy Dreamer is looking for that guy so he can bring heard, him to impact. I heard they found him. They found him. this one guy was making like a thousand dollar custom sneakers. And like, he's going to get taken care of for sure. But sure. I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not all about the overly sensitive world that we live in, but when it comes to emotion, man, let it fly, dude. Emotion is, is a powerful thing and there's no point in holding it in. You know, be mature about it, but definitely let it go. And I mean, one of the greatest things about going to a pro wrestling event is you can be as loud as you want, man. Just let it all out. You know what I mean? So uh, it was a great moment. But we got some super chats. Let's get to those real quick. Brandon was actually lucky enough to be there. Um, He tried to give away three tickets for free because he got upgraded seats. I'm not sure if he was able to pull it off or not, but I'm really happy that Brandon got to be there. Uh, this is awesome. I uh, just wanted to say I was at the show and it was the loudest and happiest wrestling crowd I was ever a part of. All of us were high-fiving and hugging. And I mean, that's that's what it's about. Like, I remember when I was at Shawn Michaels and uh, Undertaker WrestleMania 25 and like, you didn't know who was next to you, but you were just going crazy. Like, high-fiving people, marking out. Same thing when I was at uh, Diego Sanchez and Gilbert Melendez at UFC. Like, it was just like a euphoria of people just so happy that they were witnessing what they were hap- what they were watching and being so like involved and in tune of what was going on. You know what I mean? Did you ever go back and hear Joe Rogan's commentary during that? I have. You know, he was calling it like the best fight he's ever seen. Yeah. Which I, I think it was probably the best three three round fight I've ever seen. That was that was incredible. Yeah, I mean, I know, but but listen, what really solidified it? What really solidified is Diego rocking Gilbert. If that didn't happen, it was kind of too one sided. It was exciting, but like mostly Gilbert was just dominating Diego. But when he rocked Gilbert and almost had him out, like man, that place went nuts. It was crazy, yeah. and of course because because like Diego has a fan favorite just being more familiar because like most people didn't even know Gilbert was in the crowd because he was strike force champion and all that. Like Diego was from tough and you know, but yeah, it was crazy. Uh, Manib was also there. So shout out to Manib. He got to go as well. And he got the uh, CM Punk shirt with the, I was there on the back. It's like worth $300 right now. So shout outs to Manib. Um, What else we got? Let's see. Alexander Fitzgerald. Appreciate it for the super chat. Uh, do you think Punk Darby match will have a clean finish? Sting turning on Darby would be cool to see in this match. Um, I do kind of feel like Sting and Darby could happen at full gear, but I don't think it's going to be like Sting turning on Darby at any point in that. It could be like Darby loses the match and then somehow it kind of leads to that way. Um, but I I don't know. Um I do think that Darby's going to lose clean, honestly. That's what I think will happen. Yeah, I obviously we're going to get Sting versus Darby at some point, but I really feel like Sting versus Darby should, if depending on see, the thing is, I don't know how long Sting is going to keep wrestling for because yeah. he's looking he's looking good enough that like he can go like for a while, especially um, after watching like Goldberg at like forty eight and Sting at like sixty one. Like what what? <laughs> like, yeah, dramatic difference. Yeah, so like 
I think that Sting versus Darby should be reserved for Sting's last match. And that and he just puts Darby over clean on the way out. But that would also be assuming he's not going to be around too much longer. Cause like, but I, I feel like, I feel like once again, like when you're getting the kind of pop sting is to go through a table and stand up. So like you can't just stop now. So, yeah. um, by the way, dude, like being there live, the best pop of the night for sure. Like, I don't think the TV captured it enough. That was an amazing moment. And the reason was because like, you're like, Oh, you're 61 sting. You don't need to take a table bump. You know what I mean? And he takes a table bump and you're worried about his health. And then he just bounces up and does his little Hulk up thing. And it's just, the place goes nuts. Um, that was a great dynamite, by the way. I had a great time. How about us uh, singing Judas, huh? Yeah, that was, that was awesome. All those NXT, or NXT, all those AEW haters were like thinking like, there's no way anyone, y'all could pull it off. And like figured that people were like putting the lyrics up on the, up on the screen beforehand so you guys could all practice and everything. And I mean, we had our phones, right? Like, we definitely well, wanted sure. to make sure we were on sure. point. But, I mean, I sang my heart out, man. Like, I, I acted like I was an in sync. I didn't give a damn. But um, it was funny because uh, when we got there, right, like, dude, when we got there for Dark, I'm not even kidding you. There maybe was, like, 2,500 people there, maybe. And it was, like spread out and i mean i saw empty seats everywhere and i'm like dude russell ticks lied his ass off on that twitter and like did not tell us the real like this is not going to be a good show this is kind of embarrassing as big of a show this is right and i mean it was like five minutes there's people that had the wrong seats and they're like arguing with each other and it's like five minutes and you kind of lose focus of like all the people that are coming in and by the time that, that was cleared out, it was like two minutes before the show starts. And me and Bill look around and like the whole place is packed. And we were like, where did all these people come from? Right. But, dude, that's just how many people are in line for merch. Like, it's ridiculous. So, like, Dark, is it, whichever show, Dark Elevation, Dark, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be empty because people are buying merch like crazy at those shows. Um, so, yeah, it was it was wild. Uh Let's get to John's super chat real quick. Um, said, uh, appreciate the super chat, by the way, John. Uh, found it funny the day or two before Punk debuted that people in the WWE and the moron Rosenberg were trying to diminish anything he accomplished. Yeah, I I, I didn't like the timing of it. I really didn't. And, um, you know, I, Ariel had a fun weekend. Let's just say that. I thought <laughs> Ariel was definitely involved with some stuff. When they... Uh, when he clowned CM Punk or whatever, Ariel put the emoji eyeballs on there and stuff. Like, he really tried to kind of start stuff, in my opinion. But um, I thought he had a killer interview with Nick Khan. I thought that that was very telling, and I definitely want to talk about that interview. Uh, but it definitely seemed like they were really paying attention to Punk this weekend. And I there's no way that they're happy with the response that he got. Like it was a, it was a massive response. And I got so many messages from people that no longer watch wrestling that were all about watching wrestling. And it made me think like, we always talk about the attitude era, right? But like, there was a huge drop because Raw's were at least doing like threes and like, they're not, they're now like twos and stuff, barely making a two. So that audience left. 
And a lot of that were CM Punk fans, Daniel Bryan fans. Like, they just moved on. Like, a lot of them didn't even know Daniel Bryan came back. They're just like, oh, whatever. Like, it just didn't mean that much to them. And so all those fans are now willing to give AEW a shot. And that is that is huge. Yeah, I, I was getting the same thing. People just hit me up, like, asking what I thought about it. And I think if WWE... I wonder how that all went down because you know someone would have had to have shown it to Vince. Like there's no way Vince is just like watching on his own. So someone would have had to have like walked up to Vincent Mann and been like, Hey Vince, you gotta see this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Talk like you, the internet. Like, yeah, you have to know this is happening. Um Yeah. I dude, mean I, pro <laughs> wrestling tees crashed, like yeah. completely crashed off its server. And then they said that like the most highest selling design in three days and what took like seven years or what, like the bullet club shirt has always been number one, the highest selling shirt they've ever done. And punk broke it in three days. Like that's, that's madness. Yeah. That was, just, he was, he was trending number one on like all social media and YouTube. Like, yeah. So I'm very curious to see what the rating will be like for dynamite. Like, because you know, Friday night at nine o'clock isn't the, easy, the easiest, or ten o'clock isn't the easiest for for uh, to get a good rating. They got a damn good rating, and they killed it in eighteen to forty nine demographic. And this is going up against preseason football. You know what I mean? So, uh, it it's a very exciting exciting uh, time right now. And and like, if you really think about it, like, how often does CM Punk have to wrestle? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he has to do that much. Big dynamites, maybe, and like pay per views. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't. Eight, I don't think times a year crazy. tops. Eight times a year tops. Like, yeah, I don't think it has to be a lot. He could probably be in some tag matches, something like that too, like just to get his presence out there. But I don't think you have to see him a ton as long as he's out there, somewhat cutting promos, and his presence is felt. Like it, it should be fine. Well, especially if he's like really loving it and enjoys working there and likes working with the people. Like he'll probably eventually get back into commentary, do what Jericho does, be like a commentator sometimes and wrestle sometimes and just get involved however he can. Um, What was another thing about the promo I really, really liked was how Punk mentioned, like, hey, there's a lot we got to talk about. A lot's happened in this last seven years. I can't get to all of it right now, but I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. So yeah. like we're gonna, I'm gonna be telling these stories, and like we're gonna, we're gonna explain a lot of things, and you're gonna right. get my thoughts and opinions on a lot of this stuff, but it's gonna come out over time, right. which is awesome because I think that'll get incorporated into some of his his storylines too. Like I could totally see a scenario where it's like him versus MJF, and MJF is just like clowning him for his MMA career or something. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and then he's got to tell the story of like yeah, he wasn't that good at MMA, but it was like a big personal win. And like, like all the, like, like right. spin it, spin it very positively to tell his story. And then maybe like in the match, he hits like some MMA moves on MJF or something that MJF thinks he, he wouldn't be able to, you know, just little things like that. that I, and not necessarily exactly that, but you know what I mean? Like, like maybe, maybe pull some of this stuff in, into, into these stories. Like you can have an awesome story with him and Brian Danielson at, at some point where it's like, yo, how did that, like if CM Punk's a heel, especially it's like, you're welcome. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, like you would have never sure. got that run in the WWE if it wasn't for me doing everything I did and then for having sure. to quit over it. 
And then you got the push that I was going to have. And then not only that, now you're following me after I show up. You know what I mean? So many stories you can tell with that while also having CM Punk explain his side of these stories throughout. And I mean, you can easily just go with Kenny Omega too, where it's like, I keep on hearing you say you're the best in the world, but there's only one best in the world and that's me. You know what I mean? And there's just a lot there. It's yeah. Well, and he did say that there are some people, and some scores to settle with and i was like oh okay but one thing one thing that i loved was his promo about how he left professional wrestling from ring of honor and now how he is returning to professional wrestling i felt like that that was a perfect shot at the wwe also i could never get healthy staying in a place that got me sick in the first place fire line i mean And and passion on that one. Like, that was pipe bomb punk. You know what I mean? Yes. And, right. and I don't know if you picked up, but if you actually listen to the live, like, not the TV version, but, the, like, a cell phone version, there was an F.U. Vince chant after that line. So, yeah, I, this, I believe it. This but is I'll- the thing, too, is, like, the – it's almost like we got our leader, like – the the man to lead the charge against the WWE has now arrived because he was always that guy. He was just stuck in the company. And now it's like he can say whatever he wants. He can do what he wants. He can be who he wants to be. And you can't stop his momentum. If it's there, then you go with it, right? Because Let's be honest. They dropped the Summer of Punk 2011 so bad it's not even funny. It's a total disaster of what it should have been. You know what I mean? So I, I'm i just ecstatic uh, of the possibilities and like really get to see how good Punk really is because I feel like Ring of Honor, he had some amazing stuff. And don't get me wrong, he had some amazing stuff in WWE. But he also did a lot of fluff and a lot of crap that's like, like feuding with Ryback and you know, like talking crap to Sergeant Slaughter and Bret Hart. And like, it just, there was just stuff that like, it's just to like, Hey, it's Monday night. We need you on TV. Go do this. And I don't feel like there's going to be, I feel like his stuff is going to have a purpose. It's going to have a meaning and it's going to be good. Yeah. When he also like speaking of like purpose and meaning, the first thing he does is put over Britt Baker on a microphone. Like that's yes. huge. Yes. That's huge. Like he, he put over Britt Baker and Darby Allen within the first 15 minutes of him being on the show and that just goes and proves more and more about like why like what his intentions are of doing this i also like in the promo too how he said like i'm doing this for you the fans i'm also doing this for me a little bit too though like like he like he wants to be creatively satisfied he wants to be in there putting new talent over and setting the stage for for when because there we talked about it before on this show CM Punk, I think he's there for the long haul, but like in the process, if they can set it up to where they're fine without him and without Cody and without Kenny someday and without all these guys, but they're setting it up and CM Punk can help set that all up for them. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's there. It's really, it's really wild. Like, and he really, it really does feel like he's kind of leading that charge. Mm-hmm. There's just so there's just so much they can do with it. And like I said, he literally with the first thing he says is something like, it was like y'all really know how to make a guy feel like Britt Baker in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and it's that's like, exactly what he said. And it's like, wow, you just 
kind of you compare yourself to Britt Baker, like that makes Britt Baker sound like a pretty massive star. Like if you're talking about her, well, so, then, I mean, if you've never even watched AEW and you hear him say that, then you're going to be like, "Who's Britt Baker?" And you exactly. look her up, and you know what I mean. Um, you look her up and you go, "Wait, she's with Adam Cole. Wait, is he coming too?" Yeah, exactly. And we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, more super chats are coming in. I appreciate it, guys. Chris, as always, thank you for the super chat. Uh, all out, all out buy out, uh, buy rate predictions. In my opinion, think close to two K is a massive win and beats anything numbers both WCW and ECW were doing twenty years ago during the height of pay per view. Um, I think it's the highest pay per view they've ever done. I, 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 I will definitely say that. Um, I think two hundred K is reasonable. I mean, they do it like around one hundred twenty five thousand, so I think two hundred K is reasonable. Uh, I think it could do more. Even I, I don't want to shoot it too high because I mean, we know how streaming goes and people don't want to pay and I get all that too. So, um, but just, just in the general sense of like the casual fan paying attention that would possibly have like a pay-per-view party and like have some friends over to watch. I think there's definitely a possibility that this does really well. Yeah. I think it'll be the the biggest pay-per-view that AEW's had. I, I can't speak to like the numbers of it. Like, I don't know. It's it's just a different time. Like you were saying with streaming and stuff, it's hard to really know like how many people are actually watching the pay-per-view. Back in like the days that we were growing up, the only way to really get around that was like the black box. If y'all remember yep. those, where like it was unscramble the pay-per-view for you for free. I just yep. had to watch the scrambled pay-per-views. Like we just listen to the, the commentary and hope right. I got something on the screen I could make out. But uh but yeah, it, it should be the biggest. I, I can't imagine this not being the biggest pay-per-view buy that they've gotten for sure. And I mean, guys, like I'm not here to preach, like, you know, definitely have, have streamed my fair share of pay-per-views and stuff. But like when it comes to AEW, I really believe in them. And I think that they deserve our money. They only do four pay-per-views a year. And it's important to support them when it comes to this type of stuff, because buy rates do matter. It does send a message. So I definitely recommend everybody ordering the pay-per-view and watching it. If you can't, I understand, but I definitely recommend it. Um, one thing I want to talk about, uh, let me get this super chat, and then I'll talk about this. So Eduardo, thank you so much for the super chat. I really appreciate it. Um, do you agree with Disco Inferno when he said that Punk's MMA career might hurt the perception of Punk in wrestling now? I don't now. I, after seeing him walk out and getting the reaction he got and him being as happy and excited as he's been in being back in pro wrestling, I don't think it hurts it. I really don't. Um, I think his nose is a little bit broken, so it looks a little bit more crooked, and it's kind of hard to forget how he got that, right, at first glance. But other than that, like, it is what it is. Um but I think it's going to take one great match and it's all gone. Like if him and Darby have a great match, I think that the UFC thing is, is put in the past. And honestly, that's why I always thought you should come back to pro wrestling because his, your lasting image of CM Punk is him getting beat up in a cage. And with this, it's like by the time that his AEW career is over, I feel like he'll leave you with such a great taste in your mouth about you know, his career and everything else that like, you'll be, you'll be over the UFC thing. Yeah. I mean, I've I've, on various shows, including this one over the years, I've definitely been critical of the CM Punk UFC run. I've always given him credit for having giant balls for doing it. Like, I think he's, he is, he's a 
freaking man for going into that octagon and actually fighting people. Like, especially with like his limited skill set and he was getting beaten and, you know, sparring at his gym. Like people knew it probably wasn't going to go very good for him if he, if he did it, he did it anyways. He made some decent money, really good money actually. Um, but I was on that train for a while where I was like, I don't know, seeing him in in pro wrestling, this is going to be weird. Going in there, throwing spinning back fists and and submitting people and stuff. Like, nobody looks like actually trying to do it. But then the more I thought about it, leading up to his debut in AEW, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, there's probably not that many fans that care about that. Like, there's probably, you know, there's there are UFC, there are crossover fans like me and you that watch the UFC and watch AEW. But there aren't like as many like for instance, I saw a lot of people on Twitter who had no idea who Junior Dos Santos um, and um, Andre Arlovsky were. So Arlovsky, yeah. you know, because I'm at third row, six seats from the actual ramp. So he comes by, and I'm like Arlovsky. You know, he looks right at me, like, and and then they kind of like start looking at each other, like they know who we are. And before the actual show starts, he gets a little bit of a pitbull chant. Like, people do chant Pitbull for him. And then Junior, and I always wondered this. If the crowd is silent, I'm third row, and I shout something into the ring, and he's, like, far in the corner of the ring, do you hear me, right? And I was like, Junior! And he, like, kind of looked out, and I put my arm up, and he's like, you know? So, like, I knew who they were, so I thought it was cool. But, yeah, no. But I I do believe that Tony Khan – is is a believer in that there is a crossover, which I yeah. really appreciate because I can't stand when Dana or any of the other people, even pro wrestling, when they act like that there isn't much of a crossover. Like there definitely is a crossover. Yeah, and there were I saw people online that were like complaining about it that were like, I don't watch MMA. Who are these guys? Blah blah blah. And I'm like, then that isn't for you. Like it's that simple. Like it's the right. same thing as when I'm watching any other show and I don't get who like the guests is on the show or whatever like don't stop complaining about it like just because like enjoy it this is actually badass that they're doing something like this and actually like implementing mma fighters into the show with dan lambert like if you follow if you follow both sports you're being rewarded for being a fan of both sports at the same time like for us it's awesome yeah but but the point that in in all of that is i think that there it's a small percentage of AEW's audiences like me and you with it so i don't think they were paying that much attention to how i performed in the ufc and like you said, the second you hear that pop that he got in Chicago, like that just doesn't matter. Like it, it, everyone has already forgotten about what he looked like in, in the. And here's the thing: not many people know that like Mike Jackson was a like as bad as he was. Like people don't know what we right. know about you know. The he got opponents. beat up by UFC fighters. That's all they think, right? But we know that these people had to fight their way into the UFC just to get matches against him. And the loser of the original match was the one who beat him down really bad the second time too. So right. like. But we but only we really know that. So, and the other thing I had to also kind of mental gymnastics myself into like, like figuring in my head is like, even if CM Punk was as bad as he was in the UFC, which I'll say it again, he was the worst UFC fighter ever. I think it's un, un, undeniable. Yeah. But in comparison to everyone who's never fought in mixed martial arts, he it would be believable that he could do some of these moves to people who have never done it before. Like, if he was doing this stuff to, like, Jake Hager, then I'd be like, this is kind of weird, because I know Hager would just throw him into the ground. Right. But but if he's doing this against, like, a Darby Allen, for instance, it's like, well, Darby Allen's never fought in the UFC, so, like, I, could, I can kind of buy CM Punk being able to do UFC-type stuff to him, 
because Darby has no experience in that world. And Punk at least has the experience of training for like the last six years or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, and let's be honest, like Punk showed he was really tough. Like, I think that's yeah. a big thing too, is like if he just went like took two punches and folded or like got completely knocked out cold or whatever, I think that would be, but like he took mm. a beating. Yeah, but he also got held down and tickled and stuff. Like, no, I, I get it. I get it. But, like, I mean, like, his face is bashed, and he's still getting punched, and he's still coming forward. He never like, gave up. Takes, I mean, he did, give up. he did give up in the rear naked choke in the first time. But another, the other side of this, too, is Mickey Gall is so much out of oh, his yeah. league that, like, that should have sure. never happened to begin with. For but, sure. like, the Mike Jackson fight, like, we don't have to get into it, but, like, no, Mike Jackson like, but, literally held him down and tickled him in front of the referee. Which is like, why oh, the UFC, God. like, totally just told him to, to take a hike. Got rid of both like, of them. Because right, of that's what I'm saying. Because yeah. it's like, you could have finished that fight and you chose not to. Um, but, like but, Adam, thing, but, like, Adam Butt says, but he had the balls to do it. And I'll never, yeah. I'll, I will always respect him for that. For sure. And he got paid well too. Let's just not five hundred thousand dollars a fight. When, right, which is, that, that not, is upper tier UFC money. Yes, for sure. And I, I think that he probably got a little pay per view bump too. Honestly, like I think he definitely uh, got his money. Um, and then another thing, the, the best tweet I saw the whole time was from Derek Brunson, and he he saw Punk come out, and he's like. CM Punk is out of his mind to leave this to come to the UFC. Like, what was he thinking? Like, he's seen, like, 14,000 people going crazy and crying over him and stuff, and he's just like, this guy left this to go to the UFC? Like, why? You know? So, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a wild story. By the way, we got 53 people in here right now. I really appreciate it, guys. So if you could, hit that like button. Um, definitely helps us out. Uh, if you'd like to support the channel and you want your question answered, please uh, submit a super chat and we'll definitely get your question answered. And I really appreciate you guys always supporting the channel. And um, I also have a idea of possibly doing a fantasy football league for members of, or like people that are always in the chat. So if you guys are interested, probably like a 10 to 12 man league and it'll be like PPR, probably like a 30 to $50 buy-in. If you guys are interested, hit me up on Twitter and just message me and say you, you would like to. Um, and uh, I'll see how many people are interested and see if we want to do that or not. But that being aside, um, well, I just wanted Frankie. to really just, just really ahead. quickly, I just wanted to say this. This we don't have to talk about it at all, but I just wanted yeah. to say great MMA take on pro wrestling by Derek Brunson about CM Punk. That's a great take, and that's yep. a take that totally makes sense. Real bad take earlier this week from Alistair Overman about pro wrestling, which we're not going to talk oh, about. But God. like, like I don't know what you're thinking, Alistair. But like, I, I wanted either. to throw that. I wanted to throw that out there for all the people because I've seen people in the chat that are saying they're crossover fans of, of both sports. Check that out if you hadn't seen it yet, because like not Derek Brunson, that, great take. Alistair Overeem, really, really bad, embarrassing take. Not only that, like Ariel tried to save him, and he's like, "What's wrong?" Like he had no idea that that's like <laughs> unacceptable. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I don't know. Is. I don't I don't know. I mean, I can't speak to like what is and isn't okay to say in like in like uh, you know, yeah, like he's Dutch. Yeah. I don't know if that's like just regular. We're like there's certain words in America, like if we throw out the C throw out the CU next Tuesday in America, like that's like immediate fighting words. If you go off to like New Zealand, they're just like saying it like every you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like so you never really know with certain dialect. 
But like, yeah. but yeah, the the ovary thing, like Helwadi was like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? Why are yeah. you saying this? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, no, good stuff. Um, Frankie, he's got a little interesting take here. He says, if AEW, by the way, appreciate the super chat, Frankie. Um, if AEW puts a title on Darby, how do you book it? He's not a believable long-term champion. It only works if it's a fully Mysterio, Hardy-like chase. Um, so I don't know if Darby will actually be – to me, I, I, I kind of feel like he needs to gain the TNT title back again, kind of have a run with that to get people used to it again. And then, like, if he loses it again, then then kind of advance him to the next – um, to, to the title because I, I just feel like, yes, he's kind of been like a draw and getting some big matches, but I just don't know with what the current climate is right now that he's a guy that you can just give the title to. Uh, it's kind of difficult. Yeah, I, I think Darby, he's definitely being positioned as a future world champion for sure. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of like, what order they play everything out in, like, and like when his time is and when it's going to be right and who he beats for the title. I think it, but I think AEW is going to have us covered in, in all aspects. Like they probably already have Darby Allen's title planned already and know how they're going to get there. So like, cause my also, here's a question for you. If it was somewhat short term, would you, and you obviously injury aside and everything, depending on who the champion is that he beats, what if Sting actually did win the AEW title for a short time? That's who Darby beat for the title. If Darby beat him for the title, then that would make sense. And, but I'm talking Sting beating like uh, like uh, like a Jungle Boy or like an MJF or something. Like he wouldn't he wouldn't be the one to dethrone Omega after all this. Right. But like right, maybe right. it's like him and MJF or something, and it's like MJF just totally takes him lightly because it's old man Sting and all this stuff, and Sting actually beats him. But then like the next pay per view, Darby wins the title from Sting, and that's how like it's all that's you know that's like the end of like their whole story against one another or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, that's tough. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, I, I mean, like Sting's been doing great. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, a 62 year old champion, I just don't know if that's no, what you no. want to do. You know, I'm with you. And I, I could see Sting maybe potentially getting the TNT title before it's over. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I, I just really feel like AW. cause here's another thing. I do think that Ric Flair is going to wrestle. Oh God! So like, like I'm not saying he wrestles a lot, but like I think that Kenny Omega is going to pull a, a a memorable, very short match against Ken, against Ric Flair. I think we're going to Kenny. I really think Ric Flair is going to beat Nick Aldis for the NWA title. I really yeah. do. He's showing up at the shows this week. I know he is. I know. Like I like and dude, if they waste, I'm sorry if you're a fan or if Trevor Murdoch himself hears this, but if you waste a 1,000 day plus title reign on Trevor Murdoch being the one to win it. Like NWA is in a bad spot. If that's, if that's where you're headed. So like, we might as well have 75 year old Ric Flair do it and then have Kenny Omega beat him for the NWA title. So if we're living in this kind of world and Sting's looking as good as he is, I'm just saying like, maybe you roll, maybe you roll with it. Like why you can't. What about, what about Sting and Flair versus the Young Bucks? Yes, sign me up for that. Because then you don't have to have them in the ring that long. They could tag in and out, and it would just be like a crazy match that you never thought you would get to see. Yeah, 
Or you team Cody with those guys as like the one who can go in there and do all the bumps, you know, or something like that. Or I don't know. You can figure things out. And here's the thing: Do I want Sting necessarily to be the champion? No, not necessarily. I want I want to see Hangman beat Omega. I want to see MJF probably beat Hangman. Maybe Darby beats MJF. But I'm just saying, if there's any way that makes sense, where the where's this thing's super over, dude. Like you gotta admit, like he is super over. You saw oh, it live. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was great. It was I so mean, much fun. It's so wild. Fun. Like, and it's like, you and know, not once did I job. not once did I watch that match and think, man, Sting is old. Like, I really didn't. Like, I just he just felt like Sting. He felt like Sting, and he was with Darby, and they, you know, and they took it to the the street, like they took it to the crowd, and it it, it just it had such a fun vibe. You know what I mean? And like. First off, too, that first hour was so fire. Like, after the hour was done, like, I felt like I looked at my clock. I was like, it's only been an hour? Like, because I was just, like, losing my stuff. And nobody sat down. Like, literally standing the whole entire time for the first match, standing the whole entire time for, um, what was the second match? It was, was it Sammy and Spears? Uh, I can't remember the order, but. Yeah, it was Sammy and Spears, and then there was um there was another match that was uh, really good too. Uh, the the tag match, like all three of those, was like just ridiculous. Um, so yeah, it, it was a great time. I had an absolute blast, and like Jericho got a standing ovation after the um after the uh, uh the the show went off the air. He got a standing ovation all the way to the back. So um. And, and and do you agree? Are like some people were really pissed that Jericho lost. And I mean, to me, it's like he's putting over MJF, like he's doing the honors. And I don't think it was the the worst idea because he had already gone through all those labors, right? So it's pretty valid. And I feel like what it is, a lot of it is so many WWE fans that are trying to give AEW a shot. They just aren't. They can't understand a reasonable finish. They don't get that you can just have somebody just win. Like they're right. they're yeah. waiting for a smudge or something weird to happen, or like Goldberg getting beat up too bad that he can't continue. Like what? Like they're waiting for something goofy, and then when they just see Jericho just like get tapped out into the submission, they're just like, "Huh? That can't happen." You know what I mean? So I, I think that um, it's almost like a retraining of what how to react and and like how a match is supposed to work and all that stuff you know what i mean yeah for sure and that's the thing is like back in the day heels i mean heels use heel tactics but they don't always have to like they can just win matches like just straight up they can just win an AEW. like i it's (laughs) yeah it's uh it's funny seeing the reactions that some people have to the show. Cause a lot of the time when they're complaining about stuff, I'm like, do you watch the show though? Like right. did you just tune in just this week and you're complaining about not understanding because there's quote unquote too much going on. But like, do you regularly watch? Cause this is once again, like if I just jumped into any show that I've never watched before season six, episode five or whatever, I'm just like, I'm not going to know what's going on. I'm not going to, I'm just going to sit there and complain about it either. Like, it's, and another thing too is like the seeing finishes like that. I'm sure there were people out there, like there have been Walter matches before that I've seen WWE fans complain about, where they're like Walter beat Champa with a chop to the chest. And yeah. I'm like, 
Yeah. Yeah, because he's getting over the fact that he could beat you at any time with any move. He's beating people with clotheslines or off the top or with choke holds or power bomb. He, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's not his finishing move. It's whatever he whatever he can do to win the match. And him and Dragonov was incredible. That yeah. was that was the best WWE match I'm going to see all what, year. What what pisses me off about that though? Incredible match, right? And I feel like that's not what they want to have. <laughs> like right. I feel like that they go out there and they're like, yeah. You see that match? No more in the new rebrand NXT, okay? We're not doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and well, same for the people I had to follow it. Like, Samoa Joe's probably, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> Glad I came back. This yeah. great. Yeah. And then they have Kerry and Cross walk out there last night in a, uh, in a uh, like, a freaking, uh, whatever you call it, demolition-looking thing. I wasn't watching Raw. My timeline blew up. And yep. it was like, all right, I'm going to turn on Raw, see what everyone's talking about. I turn it on, turn Raw right back off. Like, that's, yep. that's, uh, but anyway, we don't have to get into all that. The point that it was, like, WWE can solve good matches. Like, I thought Dragunov versus Walter was, was amazing. But that was also a case of someone just winning a match. Like, they just beat each other down to the point where it's like Dragunov just grabbed him by the, by the neck and just, just, you know, that's not his finishing move. Dragunov's finishing move is that headbutt, that torpedo Moscow he kept doing. But in this match, it took everything, and he just grabbed him by the neck until Walter had to tap out. It's like, yeah. love that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's let's get into Adam Cole. Yeah. So I personally thought that um, the Kyle O'Reilly Adam Cole match it was okay, right? I felt like it definitely could have been better. I felt like they didn't really book Adam very strong. Like I felt like. You know, Adam loses the first fall pretty easily. And keep in mind, like, if you go back and watch Adam and Johnny Gargano, right, like, they're ki- they're kicking out of everything. And if this thing is going to be, like, the final final battle, right, like, you would think, especially if you're keeping Adam Cole, that you would make him look a little bit more stronger heading out the door to the main roster, right? I personally... I think Adam Cole is gone. I think he has left WWE. And I think he is going to AEW. Um, the Bucks can be trolls, right? Like, no doubt about it. They like to troll. But, like, after NXT, they show, like, a YouTube video in their bio about, like, how to communicate with the dead. <laughs> which, if you guys don't know, they killed Adam Cole in BTE. And then Britt Baker puts, like, a little, like, thought emoji on it. And... Now, like, Kenny's dropping pictures of dead Adam Cole. We find out that Adam Cole is not signed. He did not show up at Raw. Adam Cole and used the lockjaw at TakeOver. He used the lockjaw. Also, um, Britt, you know, did say Bay Bay during his match. He said Britsburg during her NX, or during her AEW um, Rampage or Dynamite or whatever. So, like, they've been kind of, like, hinting at that t- stuff, too, where normally they don't normally go there. So... That was kind of a red flag. And then, um, well, more like a green flag for me. But yeah, uh, we want these things to happen. <laughs> yeah, we, want, we want these things to happen. Um, so now Sean Ross Sapp is reported that Friday is his last day. If they're going to offer him a contract, it will be Friday. And if we don't see Adam Cole on SmackDown this Friday, I feel pretty confident that he's going to be in AEW. And in my opinion, if he's debuting, he's he debuts in All Out. That's that's my opinion. If he has no 90-day clause, he debuts it all out. That way, 
You're not that bummed that you didn't see Brian Danielson. You hold on to Brian Danielson for Arthur Ashe, and then you just keep building momentum, right? You got CM Punk, you get Adam Cole, you get Brian Danielson, and if you want to go the Bray Wyatt route, you get Bray Wyatt after that. And it's just like boom, 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 boom. So <clears throat> to me, um, I, I think Adam Cole makes a lot of sense at all out. And what do you do with Adam Cole? Because it's like, in my opinion, the story is is Adam Cole and Kenny had a lot of tension before he went to NXT. Ad, uh, Kenny kicked him out of the Bullet Club. If you were wanting revenge, if you want to go ahead and make Kenny and Christian the main event and not CM Punk and Darby, then I feel like you could make that main event happen and then Adam Cole come out, and I think that it would be a killer way to end the pay-per-view. Yeah, like I, I really don't know what direction they would go with Adam Cole. Um which is exciting because like I it'd be pretty unpredictable because you could obviously have him join the elite again, but you also there's a lot of money to be made of him of him fighting them also. And there also is the bullet club, like the Jay White and Tomatonga like bullet club also, and Chris Bay recently joining and all that. So like maybe he's with those guys, you know. Um I don't know how that how it winds up playing out, but I think it would be great. If we're not going to get Brian Danielson at all out, if we're going to get him at Arthur Ashe, then I think you do you you do Adam Cole debuting at, at all out. I think the scenario you said would be really interesting to end the show. Um, although I do think they'll end it with Darby and Punk, and I do think Punk will go over clean to answer the question from like way earlier. But I think you give him the cherry on top, though. You also give him Ric Flair. Like, you obviously don't have Ric Flair wrestling, but you have him come out and either cut a promo or, like, he walks out with Andrade for Andrade's match or something or, you know. But if you give us Ric Flair and Adam Cole at all out, I think that's, like, big enough for the people that have, like, the super high expectation of Danielson. Because then you also still have, like, your 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 beak is wetted a little bit. You're yeah. like, okay, like, all right, they didn't give it to me now, but, like, I know it's coming. So, like, yeah. now I'm even more pumped up for the Arthur Ashe show. And then yep. I'll keep in mind, like, we got Bray Wyatt, like, lingering at some point, too. I mean, there's another yep. – he's another big one. Yep. Um, so there's – yeah, I, I so I guess to answer the question, yeah, I would have Adam Cole debut it all out. But here's the thing. If he's out of contract, he can wrestle. Like, he doesn't have to, like, just show up. Like, he can yep. potentially wrestle on the show. Yep. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to wrestle it all out, but I'm just saying, like, we might see him wrestle as early as dynamite on that next Wednesday or something. I mean, like they could really plug him right in right away or, or you really just do at least at first pair him with Brit to some degree. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I think that cause it's going to be inevitable. The fans are going to want to see it. They're going to be chanting for both of them. So yeah, I, I love, I was kind of thinking it. like, could there be a guy that like is just giving Brit crap in the locker room or something. And then like he has a match and then Adam Cole comes out and attacks him or something like that. Like that could be big too. I don't know who the guy would be, but just, it's gotta be a a pretty good name. Right. But like just something like that. Um, I do want to see him as a heel though, more than a baby face. And I do hope he has the I want I got something for you music because that's sure Tony Khan will oh, chill out for that. One thousand percent I want that music. Because and this is the thing that really starts to piss me off is these WWE fans that are like, another WWE guy, another WWE reject going like, no, bro, he was ours first. He was ours first. 
he's coming back home. Just like CM Punk came back. Like he rejected the WWE. They didn't reject him. Right. Like this, this isn't like, and that's what gets on my nerves. Like, bro, you don't own Adam Cole. Like you don't own Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly and all that. Like those, if, if Kevin Steen decides to ever come back, like, Bro, that's Kevin Steen that, that's coming back. It ain't Kevin Owens. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they're gonna get real butt hurt. I know we have a video game question, but like, yeah. the, the, like they're gonna get real butt hurt when like the video game for AEW comes out and you can play as like old school Jake the Snake or like old yep. school Sting or old school Arn Anderson. All this stuff. They're gonna be like, they weren't AEW when they were in their primes. All it's like, yeah, well they got the likeness now. The rights to the yep. likeness, so they can do whatever they want with it. Yep. I mean that's. Can you imagine Jeremy Padauer right now with all those CM Punk like figures? There's going to give us exactly what we want. Also, Jeremy's the man. There's going to be more Punk figures than Cody figures. Like, there's going to (laughs) be so many CM Punk. An entire unmatched six set of CM Punk. CM Punk, (laughs) like three hundred bucks, and people will buy it. Trust me. Five Um, CM Punks and an LJN Punk for sure. All right, Dirty, always coming through the Super Chat. Really appreciate it, man. Um, what is your favorite wrestling video game ever? So it's kind of different for me. Like, if I if I had to talk about, like, my most played, it was easily um, WCW versus Nitro, WW, WCW Revenge, like those N64 ones, um, and then SmackDown on PlayStation. I played the crap out of that. But, like, best game... I don't know. I wasn't I, – I enjoyed WrestleMania. I wasn't the biggest in No Mercy. You know, like everyone says No Mercy is the greatest wrestling game of all time. Like, to me, it was like WWE WrestleMania because it had the same engine as WCW Revenge. And it was the first time being on there. It was like WWE, and it was really cool. And it, it, it kind of fit my fandom, right? Like, I played WCW stuff because it was the best at the time. And then, like, WCW started to suck, and then they went to WWE. And then it's like, so the same engine, but now I get to play, like, the game, the, the wrestlers that I like currently. You know what I mean? And then WCW wound up getting electronic arts afterwards and that cruddy backstage assault game and all that stuff. Like, right. Oh, yeah. I, I bought them all. I bought them all. I bought Mayhem. I remember. Thunder. I had Thunder. I had Mayhem. I had all that. Um, and then – What's exciting about the AEW video game is it's supposed to be kind of back into like the WWE WrestleMania, the WCW NWO Revenge engine, but like with way better graphics and like that could be a huge hit if it works. They got the same guy who was like the director for like AKI or whatever, like when they made those games. Yeah. So, which is hilarious that the guy was just available. Like, people have been complaining about WWE games for years. And, like, this guy's just been, like, available. They could have just called him and been like, hey, can we just, like, redo what was so successful before with our video games? Can you just come back and do this with us? They never even asked the guy. AEW shows up and they're like, hey, dude, you're responsible for all of our favorite wrestling games. What are you up to? Nothing really. Oh, cool. You want to make a game for us? Just like those? like And, like, I I appreciate Ruckus, but, like, Jim Johnson shouldn't be available to make music. Like I feel like Tony Khan should definitely be calling him and being like, Hey, what do you say? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Although Tony can just buy music now, man. Like true. The fact that you can get cult of personality, which just confirms we're getting final countdown with Daniel Bryan. And I mean, it's just, it's going to be such a beautiful moment. Just, 
See, and like just even me thinking about it makes me want to cry. And then you're going to add 19,000 people and Arthur Ashe singing Final Countdown. I, I mean, this is just incredible, incredible stuff. Yeah. And to answer what the was question, your favorite? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Mine, they were definitely. So my favorite roster of any game ever was WCW NW Revenge. But my favorite, but I think the best game was No Mercy because that had like you. They added stuff into it where, like, you could do, like, the running grapple, which you couldn't do in Revenge. They yep. brought in the ladder matches, and you can go through the announce tables and all that stuff. Like, and they, you could still go backstage. So I think No Mercy was the best one. I My dream was always, like, No Mercy, but with the WCW Revenge roster. Like, if they would have made that game, but with, like, my WCW guys, um, that would have been perfect. But I also love all the, all the just – even just like the intro uh, movies for like WCW versus NWO World Tour and Revenge and stuff, like those are classic. Like just, just like when you start the game up and you watch like the intro and like all the little like highlight clips that they put together, but it's of the video game. Like I I love that stuff. Um, so yeah, the N sixty four era games are definitely my favorite of all time. But I will I will give a, a, a honorable mention to uh, SmackDown. Here comes the pain for the PS two. Yep. That was a great game as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that that was incredible. Um, <laughs> I want to, if, if we're done with the uh, Adam Cole conversation, we both agree that he's going to AEW for the most part. Is that where you're feeling too? I do. I think. I mean, unless the I, the WWE they hypothetically huge, they could offer. But but the thing is, to keep him, I think they would have to offer him insanely high money and a legitimate written signed guarantee that he was getting the world championship within a certain amount of time. Like yeah. I like there's no, and Vince isn't going to operate like that probably with a guy like Adam Cole, but, but you would need to, you would have to have those kind of level of guarantees for me, for, for him to even have any chance of staying in my opinion. I mean, not just that, like it's perfect for him and Brit, man, like for their relationship, it's got to completely change everything that they would be on the same schedules and, I, I just think that it would be huge for them. And I don't know. We don't have too many like active wrestling companies or couples that would be like really loved. I think them two together would be huge. So, I mean, I think Britt definitely does her thing. I think Adam does his thing, but it's very well known that they're together and it shows every now and then, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, and it's like, for big matches, one they can come out together or something like they can manage each other for like big match situations or something. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff they can do, and AEW doesn't insult our intelligence, so it's like we know what's going on, and they're just gonna do stuff that makes sense. So, but yep. yes, if I had to like bet on it, I would say I'm leaning like 80 20 towards Adam Cole coming to AEW. Yeah, yeah, I feel about the same. I'm feeling good. Um, you know, another one to me, like a couple wise, is Becky and Seth. But Seth is so weird, and he's he just has some crazy stuff. And like, I I I don't know that that's a weird couple. I never would have put them two together. Not saying they shouldn't be together. Not saying that at all. I just never would have thought that those two would be the ones that end up getting married and do the whole thing. But you know, congratulations to them. They have a child. All that it's great. But I. I don't feel like Seth really wants to be on TV together and all that. I feel like Adam and and Britt would embrace it and have fun with it, but you never know. 
Yeah, I can't really speak too much on the Seth and Becky stuff. All I know is I saw Becky come back. Everyone got mad that she beat Bianca. It looks like she's a heel now. It doesn't make any sense. Seth Rollins, no. unfortunately, at this point, is just kind of like a – he's a company guy for the WWE. He's saying what he thinks he should as a guy who works for the WWE all the time. So just To me, Seth, to me, is the biggest sellout in indie wrestling, like in pro wrestling. I think Seth is a sellout to pro wrestling. And I think what pisses me off, too, is all these WWE fans are like, dude, Seth is so good. Seth is so good. That's because he came from Ring of Honor, bro. Like, that's because he he put his stamp in independent wrestling and then left and then tries to now crap on it and tries to act like that he's so above it. And uh, it just it's, – it's annoying. Like – when he tried to come out and basically say that he's better than Will Ospreay, dude, shut your mouth. <laughs> that is not the case at all. And it's like, well, I've got more money. I don't give a damn. You know what I mean? So um, here's the thing with the Becky thing, though. Well, let's talk about – I want to talk about Nick Khan, and then we'll get into the Becky yeah. thing. Yeah, okay. okay. So I thought Ariel had a great interview with Nick Khan. One thing I did think was pretty revealing, though, is it was his former agent, and I did not know that. And and all of a sudden now, Ariel loves the WWE, and I know it's his kids. I get that. But I also think that there is definitely when, – when Colin Cowherd used to talk crap about the WWE. when caused booger-eating morons. Right. When Clay Travis used to talk crap about the WWE. <laughs> like, And now all of a sudden they're putting it over – because Clay Travis was also Nick Khan, and but he now did the same thing with the with the UFC too, uh, right? Yeah, right. But yeah, so I'm just saying it's just kind of like okay, so now Ariel's like really like waving the WWE flag. He's working really for him. He did the pre-show. Yeah, the the BTS sports and all that stuff, and and I get it, I get it, but also like it kind of comes across as tone deaf to me too, because you can't acknowledge that like, like, yeah, you can acknowledge the AEW, but like, I don't think he gives AEW enough credit, but it's, it's not his job and I get it. So don't get me wrong. But when listening to Nick Khan, I saw somebody that was extremely business smart, right? I saw somebody that really looks at this thing as a business and it now makes a lot of sense to me on what they're doing. And I did think he had some smart ideas. I do think having localized merchandise is big. I think it's smart. It allows that you only can get this shirt in Texas or you can only get this shirt in Las Vegas and all this stuff. So, like, that's smart. He's all about branding. He is all about getting WWE's name out there. If they can cut a deal with another company, if it makes sense, we'll listen, blah, 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 right? If we got a credit on Young Rock. We got to be able to do this. If there's a big event going on, we want to be a part of it too. Like we want to get our name out there. We want people to know that the WWE is in town. You know what I mean? So like I get that part. But he also said about basically the fans, if you're not my family, if you're not people that I know around the inner circle or whatever, I don't care what you have to say. And if you want to hate me, to avoid hating other people, then that's fine by me. Blame me all you want. So now you've got a guy who doesn't care if you hate him and he'll take all the blame, which allows basically the WWE to do whatever they want to do. And to me, this guy is not a pro wrestling guy. This guy is a former lawyer slash agent. And he is here 
to make WWE a big profitable business. And he is more than willing to get the diehard wrestling fans out of his company to get new generations of fans, to get new fans, to get people that only love the WWE. Doesn't care about the pro wrestling fan. He wants the WWE sports entertainment. He wants the people that are going to spend $600 on a replica title and go to a WrestleMania that thinks they're the champion. Those are the type of guys he wants, right? But my opinion, you lose your core fan base in anything, it's a disaster, especially if they have an alternative to go to because these people spend so much money on your company. These are the people that make the trips. These are the people that go all out. These are the people that when they're sitting home in North Carolina and all of a sudden AEW announces the last dance for Rampage and they got three weeks to get there, they find a way and they get there. And not only that, they after that they fly and go to SummerSlam, right? But you, if you want to get rid of those type of people – the man, like, there's homes now for those type of people that can go and enjoy pro wrestling and not have to be a part of the WWE anymore. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But I've been saying this for a while. Like, this is this is why I think they're so heading this direction of just being like exclusively for kids and stuff. It's like because th- these are the deals they're trying to make. Like, they're. They want it like I don't know what the most popular kids show is nowadays. I don't know if SpongeBob's still around. Oh, it was big. They want like Omos and SpongeBob. You know what I mean? Like, like this. This is the future of the WWE. Like they are they are going to sell the company. I don't know when or to who, but they are going to sell the company. Nick Khan, the stuff they're doing. We talked about it on, on other episodes. We're like, there's a lot of parallels between when the UFC sold and what I'm seeing the the WWE doing yeah, right now. Definitely. Like, there, it's it is going to be sold. When when Nick Khan's asked these questions about selling the company, he's like, "We'll answer any phone call and have a conversation yep. with anybody." Like that's an answer. The answer is yes, we're willing to sell. Like if you weren't willing to sell, your answer would be no. We're not entertaining any of these. Because options. that's that's the the corporate lawyer answer, right? Because if you say, "Oh yeah, we're open to sell," then you sound desperate. So yes. then it's just like. We'll listen, you know, but like, hell yeah, we'd sell. You know Dana White I mean? said we'd listen over and over also. Over and over again. Like, it's all the same job. No, yeah, there was rumors like crazy that they were going to sell. And like, they kept denying it. But remember they like pulled Dana from all press conferences so he wouldn't say anything stupid just so <laughs> they'd make sure that they could get the deal done. You know what I mean? Well, so, and also like, think about it. I know we talked before about like when the UFC got sold and they got rid of guys like Chuck Liddell and stuff who had office jobs. They were just paying a lot of money to for no reason. Another thing they did that people need to, with the parallels is remember when the UFC sold and like, they started getting rid of like top five ranked fighters in some yep. divisions because it was like, you've had title shots, but you didn't win the title, but we're paying you a lot more than we'd be able to pay new guys. Yep. So they were getting rid of like guys who were legitimately in the top five of their division. Some of these guys were getting cut. Cause it was like, and that's when I see like Bray Wyatt in his situation and, and Alistair black and these kind of guys were like, same kind of thing. They're probably sitting there going, we're giving these guys a lot of money and like they're marketable, but like, they're probably not going to be our top guy. So we're, we're willing to let go of them. Another so, thing, another thing is it's where they basically have like 
they don't care what other companies are going to do. And if you remember like the UFC, like before they would hold on to everybody because they didn't want them to jump ship. And now it, after a while, it was just like, I don't care. Go, you know what I mean? Mighty Mouse didn't work out. We'll just go ahead and just trade them. Like whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, that's what you're starting to see now where it's like, we're paying Bray Wyatt how much? We're paying Braun Strowman how much? And this is what our plan is for him in the next six months to a year? Like, no, just move on. We'll just cut him. Like, that's that's what you're starting to see. So I, I do, man, I, I, I think that he's a slick businessman. I don't think that they've seen anything like him in a long time in professional wrestling. And I think that Vince is extremely impressed by him. And I really think the WWE is heading towards a shift. And I mean a big shift. Yeah, well, NXT especially is going to have yep. a big shift soon. And he he made that clear within the next couple months. They're going to rebrand the whole thing. It'll look different. It'll be it, – it, they're going to probably try to figure a way to transition, like, anyone with any, like, current talent right now to either Raw or SmackDown and just let them sink or swim and just yep. fill NXT with brand-new people that they can mold from scratch. Um and yeah, we'll we'll see how it all winds up. I, I think that Nick Khan, like you said, I think that he is he's super intelligent, mm-hmm. and it's going to work to his advantage big time that he isn't from the wrestling world yep. because he can stay emotionless throughout it and make yep. decisions that are strictly business moves. I I think that a lot of people are upset, and I understand the the frustration and the mindset of the fans that are like that think is really screwed up that they're still getting rid of people when they're, they're uh, reporting record profits. Like I I get that. It's like, you don't have to be getting rid of anybody. I totally understand. But if you're in WWE position and you want to sell the company, that's why they're making those moves. Cause when you're, you're, you're freeing up all this cash on your bottom line of your company. So when these companies call and go, Hey, how much cash have How profitable are you? Blah, blah, blah. These are, in Braun Strowman's case, maybe a million dollars a year or so, like yep. on him just alone, and you have you know all these others. Bray's got to be way up there too. Bray's got to be way up there too. And sure. I mean, a lot of these guys were told in NXT they got released, like we're heading towards a different direction. Like that's what they were told, and it wasn't that creative didn't have anything for you. It was literally like we're changing how we do things around here. So yeah, I you know, and part of me though, if if you look at WWE's business, I think it's kind of smart, honestly, because I think that the pro wrestling world now has found a home with AEW, right? And CM Punk has put that flag down that this is pro wrestling and we're going to do things different. WWE is putting their flag down saying this is entertainment and we're going to do things different. And we're going to build stars different. And we're looking for people that are different. And we don't want these indie superstars anymore. And it makes sense for their business. Do I think that their shows are going to suck? Very likely. But at the end of the day, like, that's what they want to be. And I know people have such a hard time with that. Especially like NXT. I feel like NXT opened the door to people like it opened their eyes to see what else is outside of the WWE. If you never gave ring of honor a chance, if you never gave impact a chance, if you never had seen that type of style of wrestling and you watched NXT, you were like, my God, this is like the greatest thing I've ever seen. And that's what a lot of people felt about NXT. And 
now I'm telling you, if you were a fan of that, now you go to AEW. Now you go and watch that because that's what they're going to give you. They're not going to give you the other stuff. Well, not just if you're a fan, if you're a wrestler too. And that's what's forcing your hand into doing this because the wrestlers, you know, if you're an indie guy right now or girl or non-binary or whatever the gender is, whoever you're out there in the, in the independent wrestling world. Yeah. If you, if you look at people like Kurt Stallion or Asher Hale slash Anthony Henry or August Gray or Alex Zane or any of these guys and stuff, you look at them and go, they lasted six months, less than a year, stuff like that. Like, what are what are they going to do to me? Like, like, right. what, like, why would like why would I risk that when I the only reason at in all honesty at this point the only reason if you if you have talent and you were on the Indies. The only reason, in my opinion, to go to the WWE is if you are a lifelong WWE fan and it is a bucket list dream job. And no matter what, that's where you've always wanted to work, then go for it. But if you grew up a fan of pro wrestling and you want to keep your craft and your name and get to do things that you want to do and be an actual independent contractor and probably live a better life and be more creatively fulfilled and given and be given an actual opportunity, like imagine Imagine if Daniel Garcia or Wheeler Utah would have signed with the WWE last year. They they probably would have been there and fired within the last six months, lost all the momentum they had before they left, and would not be on AEW right now. Yep. Like, you know, we got guys like 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 uh, Alex or Alex Zane and, and Anthony Henry and these guys, Kurt Stallion, who they're doing great. They're gonna they're doing great and will do great on the indies when they're back on the indies. But like Imagine how set up they'd be right now in like AEW had they not went to the WWE. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Like, and that's how you. I think you have to look at it if you're a high level indie wrestler. Not only that, right? Like, okay, so if you were a Will Ospreay or a Jay White and you were in New Japan, right, and AEW called you and were like, "Hey, we want you," you know what I mean? Would like when it was yes Jericho, but you see Jericho in New Japan already, so that's not like huge. You've seen Moxley in New Japan already, right? But, man, when you start seeing CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole go there, I think that every wrestler right now, if AEW calls, you are definitely listening to what they have to say. You know what I mean? Undoubtedly. And Alexander Fitzgerald mentioned Darby Allen. If he went to the WWE, and the reason I'm highlighting his message is because Darby Allen was with Evolve, which was the feeder to NXT. And he quit on them because he was terrified about what they were going to do because the the partnership was getting stronger between Evolve and NXT and the WWE. And Darby saw the writing on the wall and was like, I got to get the hell out of this contract and onto other things because I know they're going to ruin my career if I wind up in the WWE system. So to your question there, um, I don't think Darby will ever wrestle for the WWE because I think he knows as well as we do that they would have no idea what to do with him. No way. I mean, the moment that they see his size and everything, like they might push him initially, but there's just no way that he would like. And this is another thing, too. Like, I feel like WWE just does such a terrible job of just like wasting matches. Like, just put him out. Okay, he's over here this week. Just put him out there and have him in some little four minute match or some eight minute match. And it it almost like it it, kind of destroys their credibility because when you see them so much more, when you see them every single week and they're just wrestling the same people or they're having like matches that don't match their ability at all, like they could do so much more. 
It just gets old. They get stale so fast. And in AEW, like like Malachi Black, for example, he's had one match, but he's had a presence. Like he's had some promos, he's had video packages. He's going to wrestle again tomorrow, and he's going to look like a million bucks, right? And like he didn't have to wrestle. If if they used him every single week, he's already stale at that point. Like they know how to book people. That's that's the thing that people just don't understand. It's not about guys just jumping ship. It's about guys that are finally being used properly. You know what I mean? So For sure. And like a Daniel Garcia. Daniel Garcia is 22 years old. He isn't even in his man body yet, in my opinion. Like, I think he's only going to get bigger. And he's already extremely talented, right? And so, like, the WWE, what they would see in a 22-year-old kid like that, oh, like, we got four years to just waste him away before he's ready. And then by the time that they put him on TV, we've watched four years of him getting his ass kicked. You know what I mean? So, like, it, it, but the, but AEW takes Daniel Garcia, put him with 2.0, you face Darby Allen, and then you get the main event on Rampage with Moxley in front of 14,000 people already. You know what I mean? Like, it's just night and day difference. Yeah, and you know the long play there is like Daniel Garcia being a really big deal over time. Like, you know it's not going to happen right. next week, and that's totally fine because they're also gonna, not going to make him look like an idiot week after week. Like, and he's also able to work the indies and work on his craft even more. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. That's going to be the case for a lot of these guys. I think yep. Lee Moriarty is going to wind up like that. Wheeler Yuta, Dan Garcia. Yep. All these guys that like we know from the indies that are not known to the mainstream, I think they'll all get these similar deals where they're going to be allowed to keep working indies to keep getting better. And AW will slowly but surely give them a gradual push and – when their time comes to do something bigger, their time the AEW will pull the trigger. Like I, I, I have total faith that they'll that they'll do all that. And that and that's a lot of these guys in the Indies, man. Like there's so much talent right now, like super young talent, like th- that are similar to Dan Garcia in the sense of like they haven't even grown into their bodies yet. Yeah. Like a, like a guy like Jordan Oliver is probably still like five years from his prime. Right. But he's already this good. So, yep. but if you but if he showed up on AEW, it's like you do the same kind of thing. You yep. have him go up there, have some good showings, win some matches on Dark, lose some matches on Dynamite or Rampage. Let him keep doing his thing. Before we know it, two three years will pass. The guy's gonna go from looking like a boy to looking like a man. But yep. we were like used to seeing him. We're like, oh damn, like yeah, Jordan Oliver. Like I remember when he was just kind of dipping his toes in AEW. Now he's like beating some, some top level guys. Like, yep. and you can do that with a lot of these wrestlers. Yep. And I, ha- and I think AEW knows all this and Tony Khan, Tony, I bet you Tony Khan sees someone like Daniel Garcia and he puts together like a five-year plan for a guy like that, like right yep. away. He's like, hey, right, dude, if things go well, we can do this, 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 this. These are all the people get out and wrestle. And let's be honest. Good. He is tailor made for Brian Danielson. Like at some point that he is should be, a- he should be mentored. I think they need to build a group. I, what I think they should do is build a group around Brian Danielson that combats the foundation. Okay. That like if they put together like a Daniel Garcia, Lee Moriarty, uh, Daniel like Bryan, like catch point. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, what is it? This, yep. this is the thing. Yeah. Something um, like that. But, uh, but, Oh dude. Yeah. If they ever like let go of, uh, I don't know how Drew Gulak, I mean, 
I don't, I'm surprised he's. Hey, and the, the night is young. Okay, the week, but, the, the month is young. And he's and he's boys. Like he'd be with the best friends. Like he's boys with OC yeah. and Trent and Chuck yeah. and Wheeler and all those guys. Like so, it, it, the gentlemen's club is what they were called. But okay. but if they if if Brian Danielson could put together a group of like pure wrestlers and Ring of Honor gets involved with the Forbidden Door, that would be so money because you you would. You know that Brian already wants to wrestle Jonathan Gresham, and Jonathan Gresham wants to wrestle Brian Danielson. Like that match makes itself. So if you could have these other kind of side characters wrestling each other throughout that feud, that helped get over so many people. So yeah, yeah, I'd really like to see something like that. And then of course I want to see Daniel Garcia versus Brian Danielson and Lee Moriarty versus Brian Danielson and stuff like that. But I want to see some cool groups too. And AEW has been awesome with with building these factions and stuff and these alliances with people. I love it. I mean, like, I don't think it's crazy that the Undisputed Era could eventually reunite in AEW. Like, I think that that could happen. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see a lot of bright future for any of those guys that are left there. So. O'Reilly's got to bounce the second yeah, he gets a chance. For sure. And, like... Hold on, let's let's get to some super chats. We got some more. I really appreciate it, guys. Kogan. So one thing, Kogan, I keep hearing you say that you're thinking about going to the Arthur Ashe show. Like, no, dude, you go to that Arthur Ashe show. Like, that's gotta gonna go. be the debut of Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson. It's also likely, in my opinion, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page for the title. That's what I think will happen. I'm not saying it will, but that's my opinion. What will happen? And so that. That is going to be a huge show. So I fully recommend you go into that show. You gotta now, go just for Eddie Kingston pop alone for that show. Like, yeah, that's, that's gonna, gonna be wild. Sick. Now let's talk about the WWE, shall we? <laughs> I mean, we got a half hour. I, we're not going. It's yeah, okay. No, what are we gonna talk about the WWE? No, but that's a super <laughs> chat. That's what I'm saying. So favorite SummerSlam matches, memories, and if any, live experiences. Okay. I mean, in this my opinion, question. favorite SummerSlam match probably of all time is Shawn Michaels versus Triple H 2002, the unsanctioned match. Like, I just – the expectations – I was so excited for that, and the expectations were I just wanted something good, and Shawn didn't embarrass himself – and I saw something great, and it just, I mean, it was such a lasting memory. I love that match so much. Um, Triple H and The Rock in a ladder match for the Intercontinental title is one of those that really sticks out. Uh, and, man, I'm trying to think here. Uh, TLC. Brock, yeah, TLC. Um, Brock and CM Punk. I think it versus The Beast I thought it was a fantastic match. So, um, yeah, there's there's been a lot of great SummerSlam matches. I my my favorite is probably the Triple H and Shawn match, also. Yeah, but uh, I I'll always remember Austin and Undertaker Highway to Hell. Yeah, uh, that that was when I was really starting to like, like that was around the time where I caught myself watching more WWF than WCW for a minute. It was around that. Time How period. dare you, Stephen? I know. Yeah. It was funny too, is I, I think Austin Taker had terrible chemistry. Like they never. Yeah, really but that was the match matches. where like Taker did the leg yep. drop off the top through the announce table. People don't talk about that enough. That was a sick spot. Yeah, and yeah. I remember the the artwork where they were like fighting in downtown yeah, New York yeah. with like the, the return of Jesse Ventura on commentary. Like yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah that was, good that stuff. was sick. So, but but I, I'd have to I'd have to be there with you. Um, that because. 
I was such a Shawn Michaels mark, and like I felt like I was shortchanged on him when like I was a fan because I I was such a WCW fan that like I really started really paying attention to Shawn Michaels in like late '96, early '97 ish. So I really only had like '97 and '98 to be like a big time Shawn yeah. Michaels fan, and then yeah. that four years when you're that age, when I was you know early teenager or whatever, I was probably ten years old, like four years seems like 20 years to me now. Like that seemed like four years is just seems so much longer. And I felt like I lived my whole life. I mean, it really was about half my life at that time without being able to watch Shawn Michaels wrestle. And uh, for him to not only come back, but come back super impressively, he won the, no, he, no, he won the match. And then Triple H hit him with a sledgehammer afterwards. Yeah. And then then we wound up finding out like he wound up staying for the next like 10 years or whatever yeah. as an active wrestler. Yeah. It was just one of those things like, Oh, he's wrestling Jericho. Well, I, well, then he did the elimination chamber. Then he did Armageddon with triple H. Then he wrestled Jericho right. at WrestleMania. And then I was like, Oh, okay. And then like, this is like an actual match match. Can he still go? And then that's one of my favorite matches ever. And, and then like, like it was off to the races after that. He was just back. It was like, Oh, okay. This is fantastic. So, yeah, it was awesome, uh, and that was uh, a hell of a run too. Like you, Sean had a great second run with the company. I think I think nobody was really talking about Sean as the goat until after that run, and then after that run, it was like uh, he's the goat. Like that's that's basically what it is. Yeah, so, I call him the goat. Of the, if we're talking strictly WWE, I think he's the goat. Yeah, and I think that that's definitely credible too. Like I think that there's something really about legacy outside of the WWF as well. Like if you can put yeah. your stamp on everything, like like an AJ Styles, like a Chris Jericho, Jericho like, yeah. like that. Like that's where it's like, wow. That's, that's why I think Jericho's the GOAT at this point because he's doing it everywhere and he's having death matches now and stuff. Like the guy's so versatile even at his age now. But like Sean's, Sean's like the Michael Jordan of WWF to yep. me where like he just, he was the most athletic. He was the most innovative. He was the most, he was what I wanted to be the most like, like in real life, yep. I wanted to be Shawn Michaels. Like yep. I have long hair now, but like as a kid, I really wanted it so I could try to be like Shawn Michaels and stuff. So like, I, uh, yeah, I, I totally, I totally get all that. And Warden with another uh, super chat. Appreciate yep. that, man. Appreciate it. Chris says edge deal is up next year. Do you think you consider AEW if he's still healthy? I think that he's a WWE lifer, honestly. I think he's also loyal to the fact that, like, they gave him another chance, like, with his neck injury and stuff. Would I want to see it? Sure. But I I think – the only thing I I think him and Christian would be fun to be back together again and stuff. But, um, honestly, you just never know, though, because, I mean, AEW looks like so much damn fun, and I can't imagine – like he did Christian's like telling him how great it is back there. And he's like, Oh, you know, we're, it's okay here, I guess. So I, I, I don't know, but I also don't know how much longer he really wants to do this. I think he wants to get it out of the system, but like, I, I don't know. It's tough to say. One thing I will say though, is I definitely feel like the new day will leave. Like the young bucks seem very confident that that match will happen down the road. And I, I feel like that, they're one of those groups that kind of was like mistreated and yes, they've been pushed and all that stuff too. And they they're now named the greatest tag team of all time, which is laughable. But I, I, I do think that there's been some bridges burned there as well. And I, I could see them leaving. And yeah. I think AJ Styles is going to give it one last shot. Like, I don't know how long it'll be. 
I felt like he was definitely just going to retire after WrestleMania the, uh, next year. But I, I really feel like that with Luke Gallows and Anderson and the Bucks and all that and how big AEW's gotten and Kenny Omega, I just I feel like he's going to want to just go like one year over there and just have some fun. Yeah, for give me give me AJ Kyle O'Reilly. Shinsuke and Balor, and then cut it off. Like those, give me those dudes, and then cut it off. But a, a, a few things. One, when it comes to Edge, don't forget that the only reason WWE cleared him to begin with was because AEW Very was true. going to, and they Very were trying true. to sign him. Very and that, true. That's why the WWE cleared him and brought him back. Very um, true. And two, gotta shout it out. That brood entrance at SummerSlam was awesome. Yeah, like, like, that was sick. Like I'll give WWE credit when it's due. Like. That was a markout moment to see that entrance uh, this weekend. Yeah. No. Um, so let, let's get into WWE real quick. So we talked about Nick Khan, right? So I want to talk about SummerSlam a little bit. So the issue with the whole Becky thing, like my friend Eric was there, right? He was in Vegas. And he called me and he's like, dude, you sure that Sasha's out? And I'm like, that's kind of what they're reporting on the internet. This is like eight hours before showtime, right? And he's like, but bro, like they have Sasha and Bianca t-shirts they're selling. Like if they know (laughs) that she's out, like why would you do that at the shop? And I'm like, because they're the WWE, you know what I mean? Card subject to change. Right. And so it was just like, but he's like, but yeah, but that's like really shady. Like you don't do that. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. So watching it, right. And keep in mind, the Cowboys game is on. So I'm watching the preseason Cowboys game. This is the dress rehearsal game. I was watching the Vikings during summer. Right. I got you. So I'm I'm on Twitter. And I had told people also that Becky Lynch was going to come back tonight. I just had a feeling, right? So they announce that um, – that well, first of all, they showed the freaking video package. They have Bianca come out. And then they announced that she that uh, Sasha can't uh, wrestle. And then they announced Carmella. And dude, when they announced Carmella, I got like messaged by a whole bunch of people saying like, "You lied, blah blah blah." It's not Becky Lynch. Yada yada yada. That's what you get for looking at dirt sheets and all this crap, right? And then here comes the man, right? So then Becky comes out, and I I see that Becky is returned and then you know i'm like yeah so shut up becky's here but anyways right at halftime like it's getting close like a minute in so i go ahead and flip it over and i see becky in the ring and she asked for a match they agreed to a match i said okay well you know whatever i'm gonna go ahead and click back and fit watch this last minute so halftime hits i click back matches over (laughs) becky's celebrating with the title and i'm like what what the hell happened like what are we doing and then they're like, yeah, dude, like she lost in 26 seconds. And I'm just like, are you serious? So not only did you not do Bianca and Sasha, which a lot of people are attached to that match forever for the representation of like two black women that headlined WrestleMania, that moment, all that. Good they match, feel, by the way. Right, right. And they feel like you threw that in the trash. Like you could care less. And then – I'm not the biggest fan of Bianca on the mic. I think Bianca's talented. I think she's very athletic and all that, but she comes across really unnatural. And there's a certain things, right? Like why when Becky comes out, are you jumping up and down excited? 
Like you should, if if Becky's such to be such a threat, like you should be like, oh god. Instead, she's like, yay, Becky's back, you know. And like, I, I don't know. Like to me, she comes across as somebody who isn't a diehard wrestling fan that didn't know wrestling and is learning as she goes along. She didn't have that indie career or anything, and so like she's just learning. So she comes across as inexperienced, extremely athletic, good in the ring. She just doesn't get it all yet, right? And then with Becky, first of all, like they're saying that Becky's not really physically able to have like a long match. So they still went ahead and jobbed out Bianca like that. I just, it it, it really reminded me of Kofi and Brock. It really reminded me of Kofi and Brock. And I just thought that it was a, a really, really dumb decision by the WWE. And it offended a lot of people Especially, it it really tainted a moment that a lot of people cared about. And to me, that's the Nick Khan era of WWE. We don't care. We're here to do shock value. We're here to do things that get people excited. We don't care about your feelings. We don't care about your emotions towards these people. Yeah. Um, like, only the WWE. Now, I, I, I've got to preface this by saying there's a lot of, like, reports out there, rumors that Becky herself, like, came up with the idea to turn heel Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then somebody in creative, Vince himself, someone had to have been like, no, nah, we'll wait on that. Like, not tonight. Um, but only the WWE could somehow, like, this is the same company that, like, made me not care about Kyle O'Reilly or Saddam Cole. Like, yep. like it seems impossible. With a fire video package, right? Like, a yeah. fire video package, and then the match starts, and I'm just like, all right, Adam. Please just get this thing over with so we can get to AEW. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, so it's like only this company could take something that the fans wanted so bad and Becky Lynch returning for over a year. And and the pop she got was huge. Yep. Like she was that was the biggest pop of the whole show, probably. And a lot of it was the disappointment pop, right? Because it was like, we are so upset. You're about to give us Carmella and Bianca. This is bull crap. I got ripped off. And then it's like Becky comes, it's like, oh yeah, never mind. I'm not ripped off. I get Becky and Bianca. Yeah. You know? And then like it's so funny too. If you see the crowd after she loses at 26 seconds, they're just like, what? Like, it, it, they can't believe what they just saw. Well, that's what I'm saying is, like, they – it's, like, not only did they make a really big mistake by turning Becky, Sasha – or um, Bianca losing overshadowed all of it. All because of it. everyone just pissed off that likes Bianca now. Yep. And it's not the it, – it, people can be like, that's heat. That's being a heel. That's not the heat you want. Like, you no. don't want it – you don't want a situation where, like, why? Not, why only, that, take- not only that, right, she did a cheap shot to win. That's, what I, that, that's why I think she's a heel. I, like, I get yeah. that. I get that. But but part of her, part of her uh, about getting over was she was borderline, right? She was, right. she was like the female stone cold. Like, that's what people kind of viewed her as. If you just make her a straight up heel, the appeal isn't there anymore. Like the badass part isn't there anymore. It's just like it's like she was a badass with an edge, but overall you wanted to cheer for her. Now she's just doing everything can to get you to hate her. Like I don't know. Well, especially when it's like when you beat somebody like that that the fans were behind and don't want to see that happen to. 
So now, like, I mean, you've really, you really screwed yourself in multiple directions at this point. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, even if they come, even if Becky isn't a heel, even if she shows up on SmackDown and cuts a total babyface promo and gives all the credit in the world to Bianca and blah blah blah. There, the, there's a lot of damage already done because there's a lot of this fan base is just going to straight up reject her right now because yep. they're going to view her like a Goldberg or a Roman Reigns or like a that type of wrestler where it's like, oh, you just you know, just come in and just beat everybody, like just come in and just squash our next person, and and then not only that, like I'm not I'm not saying that I know what was wrong with Sasha. We don't know what's wrong with Sasha, but yeah, there was no just a lot of weird stuff. One, if she's in such bad shape, why is she talking about on Friday this is like the best day ever? That that seems odd to me. And the reason she did is because CM Punk debuted on AEW. So, like, that's interesting. If you're not – if all of a sudden you're not physically able to perform, but you're talking about how this is like one of the best days ever, that's a little strange. Two, what do you do with Sasha – like, does Sasha all of a sudden just come in and face Becky and Bianca's just done and they just move on? Like That's what I was honestly assuming with my predictions was that – because I thought Sasha was going to beat Bianca, but it would have been an actual match. And then I think they were going to do Sasha versus Be- Becky. That was just my personal thoughts. Yeah. Right. Like, I – I don't know. They give up on people. Like they like they they gave up on Rhea really fast. Yeah. They, they they probably same with Bianca. Like they probably view them as like mid card to maybe upper mid card. Which I mean, let, let's be honest. If you have Sasha or Becky, I think they're both better than Bianca overall, right? I agree. So like I get that. But there's easier way. There's better ways to have Bianca lose the title than that trash. When AEW half the people getting pushed to lose matches. Yes. Like it's like because nobody if the match is good, you can still be elevated in a loss. Let's let's okay, let's talk about booking, right? Like I think I, I've hated Sean Spears, but honestly, the past couple of matches he's had with Jericho and Sammy Guevara have been pretty damn good. And when he kicked out of that 630, I was shocked. Everybody was shocked in that crowd. But then Sammy takes his knee pad and literally knees him in the face and busts him open and then finishes into a one-two-three. And all it did was make Sean Spears look like a badass, and it didn't lose any credibility in what Sean Spears had built because he literally kicked out of Sammy's finisher. He went through all of whatever Sammy put him through, and it just was too much punishment in the end. It's the same thing with John Moxley, right? Like when he lost to the Bucks in the tag match with Eddie, nobody faulted John for losing. He just took too bad of a beating, and he couldn't kick out. Like that's how they book their stuff in WWE. It's just like, Oh, I hit my finisher. One, two, three, good night. Like it just crap. And I definitely want to talk about the main event because personally I'm really over the Superman shit. Like I, I do not like people kicking out of finishers three, four times, especially when you elevate the finisher. Right? So Cena gives Roman the FU. Then Cena gives Roman the FU on the announce table Then Cena gives Roman the FU off of the top turnbuckle. That should have been it. There's no way that match continues after that. And then now all of a sudden, Super Cena, who used to kick out of everything, he gets two Superman punches or how many ever it was, a spear, and he's done. He can't kick out. Like, I just think it's lazy. Like, there should be a breakdown of the physical competition, and there should be more moves involved, and it shouldn't just be – I put my finisher on you, you kick out. Then I do my finisher, you kick out. Like like him and Brock, dude, their match, they're going to kick out of like six different finishers. 
And that's what was so garbage to me about their WrestleMania 34 match or whatever. Like, Roman kicked out like four F5s. It was just nonsense. And, like, I, I just – I hate the way they book those things. You know, a match was really, really well done from that perspective, like the opposite of what you're saying in, like, the positive way a few years ago. I guess it was a while ago now, but – with the Daniel Bryan, John Cena, was that SummerSlam when he won mm-hmm. the title from Cena? I love that because he hadn't used the, the running knee as a finisher yet. So, like, they had – it was like that. They'd done all their moves and all their moves, and it was like there's nothing left. Like, what? Yeah. how is someone going to beat somebody in this match? And then Bryan hits this running knee, and, like, nobody knew that was his finisher at the time. So he gets it. It's like one, two, three. Oh, my God. He straight up pinned him like they had to he had to think of a new move to bring into his arsenal to get this um the the cena and roman stuff i thought it was a pretty good match yeah but the the issues that they're gonna run into is like okay so i think brock and i think brock and roman is an awesome potential story because they finally are the right roles with Heyman, yeah, Heyman's got to choose a side. Yep. Brock was getting cheered every time, anyways, and Roman was getting booed every time, anyways. Except they yep. were supposed to be opposite roles, so the yep. roles are right. The Heyman story is intriguing. I think the match is going to be really, really good. But Brock's Roman has great too. I, I agree, and and but I think Roman has to win, and then I think Roman has to beat The Rock also, and probably at WrestleMania. Okay, but if we do that. Who the hell can beat Roman? That's, where I'm, that's exactly what I'm trying to get to. Exactly. is like that's but they have they have to figure a way between now and whenever that is. Like I don't know if it's we're talking a year from now or like half a year if from you, now. If or you get to now. if you get to Roman and Rock, like Rock cannot win that match. That's a big box office match, but Roman has to win yeah, WrestleMania. So th- at that point, man, I don't know how long Roman had been champion at that point. But he's literally beat everybody. I mean, everybody. Edge, Cena, Brock, Rock, like anybody that's anybody above under that, they're just gonna look like nothing. Like this is their job to build somebody up to be credible. Like I, I don't know who they're gonna do that, but you know, like to me, Big E probably makes the most sense, especially with the money in the bank. But I mean he's going to have to look like he is Superman heading into that thing for it to be believable that he can win. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. And that's, that's the thing. I don't think that they, especially with, with NXT changing into something different and them not having enough faith in the current people. And the fact that Adam Cole, like if you can't get Adam Cole, I know he's shorter height wise than what they like, but if you, if you can't get a guy like Adam Cole to a point where you're going to like make him one of your big guys, like, you know, that, but you know it'll, it'll probably wind up being Omos. Like that's who will probably wind up being the one to eventually beat Roman Reigns. I'm gonna I'm calling it right now. Like it'll Jesus it'll be like it'll be like I'm telling you I'm it'll done. be like because because they'll do Omos and AJ. And I don't know the timeline here, or how long it'll be before this happens. But Roman's gonna beat everyone, and they're gonna do Omos and AJ, and AJ is gonna make Omos look incredible. And Vince is just gonna be like, all right, this is my guy. He proved he proved himself against AJ. And then it's gonna be just super sink or swim moment for Omos. It's, it's gonna be you have to because it, when you look at him, it, it's like I I get why you would want to push this guy. But like, because, aren't we aren't we past the eye test at this point? Like no, not in the WWE. No, not in the WWE. You're not. No, I am. look at their I show. Will, yeah. I, I know that's why. Well, that's why. Why do you think we don't watch the show anymore? Right. 
I, I just I, I can't imagine that we're just pushing guys based on size and no more ability. Like Dude, I, NXT is exactly what that's what they're doing. I get it. Like that's the future of what it is. Like well, did you did you see the Vegas tryouts and who they signed? It's like yeah. six six. Six three, yeah. Like, no one I've ever seen on the Indies, never, <laughs> right? I know, and they're like, I love the WWE. This is such a great opportunity. Like, but that's the thing. That's the thing. It's that it doesn't. You're they're in a, they're moving in a direction where they are making it abundantly clear that like a, your talent doesn't matter. Like they're 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 changing NXT from being the super indie show, which once again they're having to change it for a lot of reasons. But what NXT is going to be is going to be like. Omos type people. It's gonna. And they're not all gonna be seven foot tall, but they're gonna be the Odyssey Joneses and the the uh, Gable Stevensons and stuff. I mean, yes, he might wind sure. up being awesome. For but like, sure. But it's. But that's that. That's where it's headed. It's so. And like him, if like he was trained and like for a year, and then they like put him on the main roster and they built up him and Roman, like that could be huge. Like that could yes. work. Because it would be very believable that he could be the guy to beat Roman, Olympic medalist, all that stuff, right? Yeah. But but just like who they have on the roster right now, I feel like they've destroyed all credibility for anybody that's reasonable that could beat Roman. No, I agree. And that's why I'm saying like Omos is the one yeah, that comes no, to mind no, for me. I, because, I hate but, it, but I get it. I hate it, but I know their business model. I know how they are. Right, because you know what I mean? And, to me, you know, Riddle needs to be part of this This. This equation. That, that was the next one I was going to say is like Riddle. If they if they had him unbeaten for like the next year, it could be him. Like, but he would have to build him so strong between now and that time. I agree. But, but like, I he's a guy, like, he's a guy that could attract kids, like bro, 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 and all that. Have fun. But he also could get that pro wrestling fan that has to tune in to see Riddle like get his shine for 25 minutes and like go all out. Everybody would want to see that match. Like if it's Roman and Riddle at Mania or something and it's really built and Riddle's like on a roll, like I think that would be huge. I totally agree. And you can tell that the WWE has a lot of stock invested in Riddle. Like they want him to be one of their top guys. It looks like. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you with Riddle for sure. Yeah, so I think that covers all of wrestling um, for the most part. I mean, it was a banger weekend, right? Like tons of stuff happened. It was really – it was a lot of fun. And what's great is in two weeks, all-out weekend, you know, you've got the war games on GCW. You've got a whole bunch of indie events. Daniel Garcia and Davey Richards that weekend also in, in one of the AAW or something like that. Um, but it's supposed to be on fight, so I definitely want to see that. So they're doing Daniel Garcia and Minoru Suzuki soon? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. And then Suzuki and Homicide they're doing. Like, there's just all sorts of stuff that's And you know Suzuki's going to be showing up in AEW. Like, if he's in the yeah. U.S., he's coming to AEW. Let's go. Speaking of that real quick, what what, what do you do with Moxley at All Out? Uh, maybe, <clears throat> maybe you do – some sort of multi-man match, Moxley, Kingston, and Sting, because like they've been teaming together, and Darby's that, got a singles match. That three-man title is coming. That that's definitely coming. Yeah, which uh, which in a, yeah, and I, I'm I'm generally not for adding more titles like that, but in AEW they'd make it work with the the staples Dude, they have. They have so many wrestlers, and that I think the matches would be fire. I'm normally not a fan either. I think ROHs was awful. But I really think that they could have some killer, killer stuff on there, especially like 
lucha stuff. Like if it if it if you did do like a an Andrade Penta and Pack or Penta and Phoenix versus like something else around that same type of high, like a Dante Martin and a, a couple other high flyer stuff. I think that would be incredible. So, yeah, I'd have to think about it a little bit more, but like, I, I think there's also, I, if you're, if in AW does a real good job about the callbacks and, and not insulting us as fans. I remember Lance Archer, like respecting Sting, like at one point, like they they were gonna like they were they've been fighting each other. Yeah, yeah. It, was they, like, it felt like the next feud, and then all of a sudden it was done. It like went away. And and we just saw Archer get jumped by Ethan and Scorpio, and yeah. like maybe we get like Archer and Sting versus them two or something. Is like Sting and them have like the history or something yeah, like yeah. that. Maybe maybe Dan Lambert throws a couple of MMA guys on the side or something. Who knows? Yeah, that'd be sick to have like. Jorge and Miles would all take like a singer splash or something. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Let's just live in this world. Hey guys, yeah. there's 51 people in here. If you haven't liked this video yet, please like it. Um, please subscribe if you haven't. Definitely notice some growth in the channel. So it's really exciting and I really appreciate it. Um, before we run out of here, Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley, this weekend, I'm going against you. I think Tyron Woodley's going to win this fight. I think that. Um, I I can't he he sounds so stupid sometimes and he's so hard to like sometimes and now all of a sudden he thinks he's just on cloud nine and everything but one thing that I think I just think that he's gonna get inside I think Jake Paul's gonna leave himself open for some punches in right down the middle and I think he's just gonna he's gonna throw combinations at Jake that Jake hasn't seen yet like Jake is gonna get hit by multiple shots and I do think that Jake has a lot of power, though. So that's my only thing where I'm kind of like, hey, I don't know. But I, 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 I'm I, leaning towards Tyron Woodley to win the fight. Yep, I'm still definitely taking Jake Paul by knockout, probably pretty early. I think it's pretty telling when uh, Jake Paul was like, put your money where your mouth is. Let's, let's put up our purses against one another, and Woodley wouldn't do it. Yep. Um, did, I you, think- did you hear what he said this time? What did he say? That it, he'll put a bat like he'll he'll allow him to negotiate out of that deal as long as he gives him a bag. So he's like he can give me money to pay out of that deal, or he can go and uh, donate to my charity. That's what Woodley said because he's so confident he's going to win. Mm. Yeah, I think Woodley really needs the money. So mm-hmm. I think that that's what like his mindset is: is like win or lose, he's getting paid a lot of money to do this. Um, the acting hasn't gone well. The rapping has not gone well. Would you agree, though, that this is the best boxer that Jake Paul has ever faced? Oh, unquestionably. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, but he I'm also throws like big, loop, but he also throws like big looping haymakers and stuff. He's not like a traditional boxer, and like no. But, but he sometimes has that, power for sure. But sometimes, like if you're just training traditional boxing and you're not used to that, that's the type of stuff that you get caught with. True, the angles are different, and right. the, the head movement and stuff gets thrown off. I, I understand, but yeah, I'm definitely taking Jake Paul. And for anybody who uh, is going to be watching the fight, I think I'll be doing the fightful watch along on. It's on Sunday. It's a Sunday night fight, so yeah. I think uh, I think I'll be there. If you guys want to follow along, uh, it'll be me and I think Sean Ross Sapp uh, if he's free. But it'll be on uh, YouTube.com slash Fightful uh, doing the watch along for Logan Paul versus – or sorry, for Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. We had a really big turnout for Fightful for the uh, the Logan Paul Mayweather watch along. So uh, we're probably going to do it again this weekend for for uh, Jake versus Woodley. So join us once again, YouTube.com slash Fightful. And uh, 
and yeah, we'll see what winds up happening. But I, it's it's a it's a going to be interesting, right? Because if if Logan or sorry, if Jake wins, then he has to fight either an actual boxer or an MMA fighter, like like a Diaz brother or something, like an MMA fighter that's a le- that has legitimate boxing background and Anderson. Ed- or Anderson, yeah, especially if Anderson smokes Tito, like we're expecting right. will happen. Like if it's like a highlight reel type thing and there's buzz, I could see that happening. Yeah, and if Jake loses, it's really like, you know, he can keep fighting people, but at least then we know where But if Jake at. loses, there's a rematch clause, so he can just rematch Woodley and then make still more money. You know? And Woodley, that's best case scenario for Woodley, too. For he'd win sure. the first one and then he'd get paid twice. Like, yeah, for yes. sure. For so, sure. But I'm taking Jake. That's my prediction. So I've got Jake. You've got Tyron. Yep. We'll see what winds up happening. I so I hope we get to see Jake in a fight. Like I hope it's not just a first round knockout. I hope we get to see it go three, four rounds. And if he wins and he wins, but I at least want to see him in a scrap and kind of see how good he really is. Cause he could be really good. We just don't know. Like I said last week, I think and that's true. We just don't know. But I like I said last week. I think the funniest thing is going to be when, when uh, assuming that Tyron Woodley gets knocked out, Mama Woodley, the mm. viral, the viral clips of Tyron Woodley's mom with Jake Paul, like, like being like the the nicest woman alive. Like, I think that I think Tyron Woodley's mom is going to wind up with like a giant social media following after this fight, and she's going to be way more popular than Tyron Woodley is. <laughs> so. did, you, did you watch All Access? No, I haven't. So he's in the studio working on his raps. Oh god, like the so beats. And so Mama bad. Woodley like falls asleep on the couch while he's oh. working in the studio. He's like, "Mom, how are you gonna fall asleep while I'm working on my music?" Lame. <laughs> it's bad. It was so bad. He had to scrub the internet of like most of his stuff. Like there was all these YouTube videos I used to watch of his like rap videos and stuff that you just cannot find on the internet anymore. He got clowned so hard that he like went and got all this stuff taken off the internet. Like, wow. and then the acting stuff we've talked about getting his dick bit off by a raccoon or whatever. in that one Netflix movie, I just can't get over it. Sorry, Tyron. I, I you've, you've lost me. And it, I didn't particularly love him to begin with, with this whole, the way he got his title shot and wouldn't want, didn't wouldn't want to fight any contenders and wanted money fights. After he that, just he was the division up for two one. years. He was the number one contender because he made weight, and yet he was like, remember, because Johnny Hendricks yeah. couldn't make weight, and then he was like saying that he was like, like the like that has the most credibility as going into a fight, and I was like, dude, shut up. And he reminds me a lot right was- now of like Kevin Lee, where mm-hmm. like I really like I like Kevin Lee as a fighter. I think he's exciting and all, but like, dude, shut up. You are not top five. You are not like all of a sudden this like. You Charles Oliveira doesn't owe you a rematch. Like you need to win fights. You need to shut up and win fights. Yeah, no, I agree. The Woodley thing was like, I'll never forget that. Carlos Condit has a leg injury. Then he makes weight the next time, like you just said. And then granted, he knocked Robbie Lawler the hell out. I was there oh, alive yeah. for that. Yeah. But then the way he acted after becoming the champion, I could just never oh. get behind. And then so, like he just... didn't want to fight the top contenders. He's like, I want a Diaz brother. Like yeah, oh, I want Connor. <laughs> Yeah, he's a nightmare. So, yeah. yeah, trust me, like, I'm not the biggest fan, and he's definitely said some stupid stuff going into this fight, but I just think that Jake hasn't fought, like, a real fighter yet, and I think totally Tyron's, Ty- Tyron's definitely a real fighter. So totally agree. Totally agree. And for Tyron, he's either going to be the laughing stock of the world or he's going to be the one to save 
Do you know how annoying he's going to be, though, if he becomes that hero? Like, I just think – I I don't want to see him all over my Twitter feed and everything, but he will be everywhere. He'll do all the interviews. And he's the type of guy that loves the clout, right? So he's going to do every interview. He's going to try to sign movie deals. And, I mean, it's just – no thank you. I think think I'm going for Jake Paul now. Well, part of part of part of what would be funny too is like and this last thing I'll say about it, I got to get out of here, but yeah. but it uh it, it'd be funny too though where like Woodley wins and like all these people that watch the fight, especially like the younger audience, the J- the Jake Paulers, if you will, yeah, um, they're gonna be like, oh, cool, like Tyron Woodley, he's our new guy, that's pretty cool. He beat up Jake, and then they find out he's forty years old. They're like, oh, this is a grown yeah. man. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, nope. Next. I thought this so, guy was like in his 20s the way he was acting. Uh, yeah, so it should be a good weekend, guys. Um, I actually get the opportunity to meet Mike Tyson on Sunday. So I'm going to meet Mike nice. Tyson. I'm going to meet Jay Novacek for a Dallas Cowboys tight end back in the day. And uh, I might meet Scott Steiner, uh, maybe Carlito. So I'll have some fun pitchers this weekend. Um, it's Ryan Fitterman's uh, sports show. Ric Flair's going to be there and some uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, like, who knows what I'll end up spending over there, but uh, it should be fun. And there's not supposed to be like any like COVID restrictions or anything. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, I'll share the pictures and stuff out on Twitter. And uh, yeah, it's a heck of a show, Steven. So much to talk about. And then, you know, going in uh, next, next live show, we'll be previewing all out and all, all the other stuff that's going to be going on. And man, like, Great time to be a wrestling fan, but a great time to be a combat sports fan. Like, this is a great time, guys. So, really enjoy it and uh, appreciate all the support and take care.